One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. Hey, it's time to tell you about the podcast at Earwolf that started it all. Comedy Bang Bang. That's right. It's the show where host Scott Ackerman talks to interesting people. Each week, Scott starts the show by interviewing a celebrity guest, but there's an open-door policy, so you never know what kind of odd characters are going to stop by. (laughs) It's so funny and outrageous. It is a must-listen if you love comedy and you also love podcasts. Or James Bond, because Ian Fleming, now I wouldn't know this because I'm never in the same room, has been on that show before. I've I've heard about that. You know, interesting uh, anecdote, Matt Gorley, I was on a very early episode of Comedy Bang Bang under its old moniker with guest host Chris Hardwick. Oh, come on. You've got to get there and listen to some comedy bang bang. Oh, my God. Recent guests include Nathan Fielder, Andy Richter, John Hamm, plus Earwolf favorites like Paul F. Tompkins, Lauren Lapkus, and Jason Manzukis are always stopping by. Listen and subscribe to Comedy Bang Bang on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And now, on with the greatest debate in James Bonding history. First of all, is this the earliest you guys have ever podcasted? No. No? I did yes. one at 8 o'clock in the morning once. Well, for what? Actually, I've done a number at 8 o'clock. Some at 7.30 even. But the 8 o'clock in the morning one was Bill Gates. Oh, because you just had to get him when oh, you could get him? We had to get him when we could get him. Oh. We went to we had to we go to we went to Seattle for it. Wow, well that's worth it, I guess. And then Seattle has a big time difference, so that's understandable. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're well, on ocean time, right? Yeah. That's the zone? <laughs> they are. They're on maritime. Inter- oh. I was gonna say something, but it was it couldn't match that. So I, I bailed <laughs> that's out. That's what we're here for. Listen, the point is this is James Bonding. I'm Matt Gorley. I'm Matt Myra. And today we are joined by Alex Schmidt from the Cracked Podcast and someone who himself has some experience with some uh, Bond history. You have a history, like you've done some videos and and yourself covered a a fair amount of Bond as well. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a lifelong fan of it, and I've covered Bond for our website Cracked in various ways, things I would like to see happen, things I'm excited about that happened. And yeah, and I've been to Pinewood Studios briefly in life. You know, I feel like I've done a few pilgrimages uh, in my own way. Could you tell us just a bit about that in a nutshell? Yeah, I studied abroad in college. I knew someone who knew someone who was working in ADR at Uh Pinewood, and so they let me go see it for the day. And so I got to see no Bond stuff at all Uh specifically going on. What era would this have been in the Bond canon? They, it would have been um, right, I'll take that again. Quantum of Solace came out that year. Oh, okay. So it would have been between 
after making that before making Skyfall. Oh, big dry oh, okay. spell. Yeah. Big so, dry spell. So what I saw is Prince of Persia extras <laughs> wandering around <laughs> and texting while carrying shields and swords. It was great. If you're going to see some extras on a studio yeah. lot, that's pretty great yeah because that's the old cliche is there's always some sort of sword and sandals extra walking yeah. around that a cowboy and a space person like those are yeah. constantly in production yeah. those genres yes <laughs> apparently they are uh well it's great to have you here alex oh i'm thrilled thank you yeah. and today especially because it's a very it's a great well, movie one of the greatest in the franchise this is a contentious a top level yeah. yeah i mean this is this is you know, this is a big episode, everybody. If you're a regular listener, even if you're not, probably if you've checked in even in one episode, we've talked about this. Yeah. This is about the only place that Matt and I disagree, really. And it's, uh, we're chasms apart. And I'm only hoping that upon your second viewing, the plates have shifted a little closer. Yeah. And that was the big question this episode because, you know, I, I'm intent on taking this season and trying to find the best in these things. I yeah. did that with Goldeneye, enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one was tough because it's always been my least favorite Bond film. And again, disclaimer, my least Bond favorite Bond film is still so much more enjoyable than most any other film. It's like the the worst day fishing is still better than the best day working. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I sadly you, do. <laughs> you read that off a plaque on the wall. Come on. In my office. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Where I do my work and dream of fishing. <laughs> um, so the big question is, did I enjoy it more? Is it still my least favorite Bond film? When do we reveal this? I, I, I'm very curious to know. Don't yeah. I don't know. What? Yeah. What is your What is your guess? I mean, I watched it. I tried to watch it last night through the eyes of a bitter Matt Gordon. Oh, I thought you were just going to say I tried to watch it. But it's difficult <laughs> to watch. <laughs> no, I was like, okay, let's see where Matt will have his problems, and that's what I. That's how I tried to watch it last night. And uh, yeah, and that's were... funny because I tried to watch it like, let me watch it like I'm I'm ready to enjoy this. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I you know I I there were a couple spots where I was like I could see him having a problem with this and this, but uh, overall I just I still cannot wrap my head around your your okay. bitter angry feelings towards this movie. All right, and before we get to that, Alex, well, where I, do you fall on this movie? Yeah, to triangulate me, I. Like you said, it's a Bond movie, so compared to movies in general, it's phenomenal. Right. It's the best. <laughs> and, compared, <laughs> and compared to Bond movies, I'd say it's like upper middle. It's pretty good. Oh, and I, wow. I li- also yeah. like Brosnan quite a bit in general. I'm a so big Brosnan I'm fan. screwed today. A couple of, couple of Brosnanians here. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was previously 24th on my list. Jesus. And and probably by a long shot for me too. And I know that oh confuses some people because it's like, why, well, there's die another day out there. That why could that? Why would yeah. this one be on the bottom? Well, I've said before, I at least feel like die another day goes far enough to embrace its nuttiness. This one was always too middling for me to be entertaining. But where do I fall in it now? I, I gotta know. Unfortunately, I still find it to be the worst Bond movie. You are, you are out of I tried. Wait, you have to believe me. I sat there with an open mind, watched it with my buddy James, and I, I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe we can get to the heart of what's wrong with me. I don't know. This is earth-shattering news to me. It can't I really be, well, thought you we've were already finally done. coming I, around. Yeah. I also, I know it's silly, but when you said you watched it with your buddy James, my mind filled in James Bond. Yeah, you just watched it <laughs> with him. Don't let him and color. He, see, no, he's like, <laughs> he lost a lover in this, this is one. My of course he doesn't film. like it. Honestly, this was my worst film. <laughs> I hated the experience. And um, I, you know, I feel like if I were to, if I 
were to take it scene by scene and we were to walk through this film, I, I would be hard pressed to hear, like, to figure out what your problems are with each scene individually. Yeah, well, we'll probably have to do something like that. Um, let's just, I guess, let's talk about it generally because part of it may just be like I'm, I'm ten years older than you. Yeah, I'm maybe ten or more than you, huh? I mean, how old are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm, I'm twenty nine. Twenty nine. Okay, so I got a few years on you. In the same way that I love my Roger Moore, and that the Connery people who grew up with Connery can understand that, it may just be that kind of thing. Because I don't know, like I it. At, in a post-Austin Powers world, the way this film starts with a subtitle that says Terrorist Arms Bazaar seems like a parody to me. Yeah. Especially when they go right into the exposition of the guy at MI6 going, it's like a terrorist garage sale or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. It wants it's too much of its cake and too much of its eating. And uh, also, that scene, I feel like he goes into a list of all the different armaments and kinds of armaments. Yeah. He's really trying to blow out how much it is. And then there's a beat, and then he keeps going yeah. in a way that's very funny to me. <laughs> like, uh, now, when I was a kid, I was like, I'm, I'm strapped in even more. Great. I, I know countries. I mean, now it's like too as, much. A, as a grown adult and a professional writer, I, I just thought this is the bee's knees. Way to set up <laughs> with how all many, that exposition. Way to set up how many weapons are there and how dangerous a situation this. You're could starting be. a film with five minutes of exp- spoken exposition. I I gotta say, I think this is a great cold open, as we discussed oh. last week on the cold opens episode. Alex, you haven't heard it yet. It's coming out. Oh, um, but. Uh, I just, I have almost no problems with everything happening here. From the get-go, he's using a gadget in the very beginning. It's a lighter that's also a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we'll go beat by beat, but I'm just, I'm really curious about what this is. Was it his brown leather jacket? No, I love that. In fact, I have that as a note. I think his costume in that opening scene, fantastic. Right? He looks like a G.I. Joe. Looks like a stylish, 80s British... Yeah, dashing. Yeah. Especially the reveal of him after he does the fake out with the guy, yeah. where you're just seeing his face in the jacket. Looks good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm also wondering too, and and this is nothing new on this podcast. I do think the biggest problem with this is is if it is a generational thing where I can accept Roger Moore because of a certain amount of nostalgia. I still think there is a big difference in that Roger Moore handled the tone of his movie. It was more decidedly comedic, and Brosnan goes back and forth, and the biggest. Like indicator of that is the scene with Vincent Schiavelli when he tries to kill. He's already killed Paris Carver. Yeah, but Vincent is like delivering a performance that does not belong in that movie. He's great though. But what's weird is like this woman that Bond ostensibly really loved mm-hmm. is lying dead, yeah. and then he's doing a cartoon comedic scene, and then it ends with Bond shooting him in the face, point blank range. And that, to me, is like, sums up the problem with these Brosnan movies. They're pure melodrama, and it just... I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I wanted to, I wanted to like it. <laughs> I don't and I still love it. Don't get me wrong. I That's the crazy thing. But so confused. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and well, I, yeah go ahead. Because also, I, I feel like... Wait, sorry. <laughs> We've all got our notes. like, And we're, we're looking at them as if we're in like a diplomatic meeting of these are our... Yeah, so that was what I was going to say. I feel like this movie is relatively light on the emotional beats and the dramatic beats, too. Like, as far as Bond movies go, this one almost feels like a 
just a straight up action movie. Like I know they they spend mm-hmm. time on the romance and on who cares about who, but I come away from it just remembering the massive amounts of people he kills and yeah. the huge yeah. straight up battles at the beginning and end. Yeah, 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 that's true. I honestly, I was enjoying that for what it was. I was enjoying the uh, Bond being outgunned. I mean, it, there is this is the movie where Bond. Uh, in order to stop the bad guys, gets in a plane armed with nuclear missiles, and at the end of the movie, when he's fighting inside the boat, he grabs missiles yeah. <laughs> and starts firing them at people. It is such a 90s action movie. Let me throw, yeah. throw out, James pointed out, who's also the guest for last week's uh-huh. episode, James Bladen, one of the most glaring inconsistencies I've ever seen in a Bond movie, and I, I never noticed this before. The whole crux of the problem in the opening scene is that this missile is launched, right? Mm-hmm. At Bond. Yes. And they go, it's out of range. We can't get it back. Yeah. But the video feed from the missile is still projecting to the MI6 headquarters, and they're watching the point of view camera of the m- missile come in on that arms <laughs> bazaar. So they can get video feed from it, but they can't control it back. Yeah. yeah. And I know you got to let go of those things, but I did think that was pretty funny. All right. Listen, if I'm <laughs> competing with logic, I'm never going to win. Yeah. Are you are you trying to say this movie isn't one hundred percent technologically accurate? No, I apologize. And right on the pulse about the internet. (laughs) I love how the fucking media guy does not see the internet coming at all. Like Carver is just print magazines. I will twenty four hour presses. I'm gonna get so much cable television. Yeah, like he does not see the internet coming. He was my other main issue. I might as well get these out up front. How great he was. He to me is awful in this movie. What about when he's making fun of uh, of uh, of Michelle Yeoh? <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, you know he threw that in. That was an onset find. <laughs> and I know he's going for big. It's yeah. obvious, and I appreciate that. I like that, but especially coming on the heels of our last movie we talked about was View to a Kill, and you've got Walken's performance. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very okay. So the arms bazaar, cold open excitement wise, you found it to be just not great. Well, when we talked about it in the cold opening, I was doing most of it from my memory, and so watching it this time, yeah, I find it to be. It's another thing. It's like God, n- nuclear weapons. I don't know. Is there something? You also get a lot of Brosnan hurt acting in this open. Thing when he's being choked from behind in the plane. Well, I mean, you you act yeah. like you're getting choked from behind. Let's see it. Right now? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do my Brosnan version. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> you look very hurt, and I'm believing oh, he's you. He's nailing it. You're wow. doing a great job. Oh, no. You're doing a... I mean, I'm going to give you an Oscar. <laughs> Fuck it. EGOT. You're getting them all. Like, this is, this is a tough episode, because I know this is the episode where I get all the hate mail. Because... There's no, not many people Are mail people in and go, that, you're so right. Most people go, you're ruining my generation's bond. And I get a lot of, I get is, a lot of I heat mean, for this. If I've been able to embrace View to a Kill, which was before my time. That means it's a good film. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it doesn't just mean I'm a better person? <laughs> it might. <laughs> like, if that's on the table, probably. Uh, okay, so, I mean, do you... F- what did you like? Did you not like that M was watching? Did you no, not like all the I surveillance? I like that. She's everything? great. She's great in it. Um, I do think the acting overall is not great in this film, except for Judy Dench and Samantha Bond. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. 
maybe Why? maybe Terry Hatcher's pretty good. No? I mean, if you're going to rank yeah. them, I don't yeah. know that she's near the top. No, I know. Well, I, th- I think it's that action movie thing where they don't give any of them enough to do, especially mm-hmm. rewatching Tomorrow Never Dies now, having seen Spectre, which I don't love. Yeah. But they give everybody on the team a lot to do in that one. And Judy Dench is mostly just looking at monitors some of the time in yeah. this movie. And I now I think, oh, she should have things to do. Yeah. Well, she should in the sense of what they what the Bond movies have become, yeah. which is yeah. Scooby Gang. Right. Um, this is before this is they really Scooby involved. All this was yeah, yeah. This was more of a of the time of like M's there at yeah. the beginning and maybe again in the second act. It's the next movie reset. that they first start that off when she gets kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, that being said, I, I really you know I feel like Goldeneye. You're watching Brosnan sort of inhabit the role for the first time, so you kind of can't really grade him there and i feel like the but world i think is he does enough. a great job he in does that one. he does i mean i'm not grading him but sure i am b plus you know the world is not <laughs> enough i feel like brosnan's bond in the world is not enough is very much goldfinger bond in the sense that he's not ahead of the plan at all mm-hmm. he's never he's always on his heels in that movie um and he goes rogue you know he goes rogue again and die another day so I find this Tomorrow Never Dies to be the sweet spot of Bond, of Brosnan's Bond, where he's James Bond the entire time. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's true. That means he is in the cold open, he's James Bond. After you see what the fuck the plan is, he's got his Aston Martin parked outside Oxford and he's fucking a professor. Like, that's very <laughs> James Bond to me. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, you know, Sorkin has his walk and talk. Yeah. James Bond has his drive and Drive and mission, drive and jive, <laughs> drive and jive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you get that he's, you know, and it's a real. For me, it's a real mission. It's I like, agree. It's go do shame. this. It's wasted on this batshit crazy mission. Well, nah. to th- <laughs> thank you, Alex. No, go thank ahead. You. I and none of this is meant to say that I'm right. It's meant to say like, prove, you know convince me i want to i want to like this movie more than i do yeah i feel like i need like a presentation in you slides. might yeah <laughs> just open your powerpoints listening at home yeah, yeah. the uh, guy's creating events for a newspaper yeah that somehow seems impotent in terms of bond stakes to me i don't know why but it's not for a newspaper no, but this is a Bond movie, not not no, Spotlight. No, no. What I'm saying though, but it's not his plan is not that's his surface plan. Yeah. You know, like Goldfinger's surface plan is to nuke the gold. I know this but is the to ultimate get his plan paper in China. Yeah. The ultimate plan is to get his newspaper in China. No, get exclusive broadcast right Fair in China. Enough. His, which his could TV be show. worth gajillions. I understand, of but it's no less crazy than let's nuke this gold so my gold's worth more. It is a little bit I don't know. There's something there's just something lower I mean, stakes about a back, cable network. Look at look at the success go, of a cable network in China. <laughs> lower stakes to you, perhaps. Yes. But yeah. he's recognizing a burgeoning market. Yeah. Uh-huh. Listen, I own a cable network in China. Oh, and it makes okay. me hand over fist cash. So well, that's why totally. you see you've got one in the tank for this movie. Then. <laughs> You're biased. He understands the plan. <laughs> I, you know, at first when I was watching the movie, I was just like, oh, his plan is not great. But then when he elaborates on it and it involves uh 
a coup like, in China yeah. Chinese government, mm-hmm. uh, and him getting exclusive broadcast rights in China, which would be worth billions of dollars. I'm like, oh, okay, you have more up your sleeve than than getting the paper out with mm-hmm. the news first. Mm. Yeah. Well, and also, as far as this movie, when you compare it to Die Another Day, I think this one's way over the top in terms of the villain scheme in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Like even, especially now, I feel like his scheme is both ahead of its time in terms of that idea of, yeah. oh, a media mogul being the right. true villain, and also wildly behind its time in a way that's very fun to me. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> he's using the internet to do his journalism and do his empire, but as soon as the internet exists, you don't need to manipulate <laughs> actual world events to make up fake news. You can just do that. Yeah. He, like, he does, he's not aware you can just hire a couple scummy people. You don't need to yeah. like blow up boats or anything. His use of the internet, and by that I mean his physical use of his keyboard and his typing is insane that's great when he types at the end he's doing that stephen colbert like just limp finger hammering (laughs) against the surface that is incredible yeah it's a great use of bluetooth keyboards yeah it's also for bluetooth yeah it's my favorite silly version of an evil writer where especially early on when he's typing about the murder of the sailors and he's like sailors killed and then you see him and then it cuts back and it's like no 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 murdered yeah, as if that's a, a brilliant question marks <laughs> well i gotta say i thought wow that is a better headline <laughs> yeah that is a more attention grabby headline do you, does he write all of and the, the question marks like, by the way the question marks were just for the number of exactly you know which he had to wait for he had to get yeah. oh yeah i suppose you think yeah, stamper's think... a bad actor oh Awful. And he's a, I mean, some of this stuff we're definitely going to be repeating from the last time we talked about it, but he's a poor man's Necros, who's a poor man's, whoever the guy was in Four Years Only, who's a poor man's You Only Live Twice guy, who's a poor man's Red Grant. It's five levels in. And it's like, it's like the, um, the, the clones of Ripley in Alien 4, they get, yeah, those get better. These get more and more diluted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's multiplicity. That's what it is, yeah. yeah or House of Cosby's yeah. or whatever. <laughs> House of Red Grants, where they're all just <laughs> now feeling that. no pain together. Now that I'm talking, I would be into it. Uh, yeah, this guy. Uh, did you, did we talk about this last time? I think I have a gloft, which is a Gorley's lookout for this. Let's hear it. Stamper has two different colored eyes. Whoa. Oh, really? Mila yes. Kunis happening there? Yeah. And I think it's a like... A makeup thing. I don't uh, think the actor uh, really does. But there's only one shot you can really see it in. And David Bowie had that. What, what is that very, condition called? There's a very what? funny... Heterochromia. Hetero, so Stamper's a heterochromic. There's a very <laughs> funny uh, discussion of his casting. Uh, oh, get in it. Barbara Broccoli's... Um... Hang on one second, guys. I'm going He's going down to the James Bond Toshin archives. You'll remember this in the Goldfinger episode. You can buy it through our uh, Amazon link. Just kidding. We go, don't just have one. go to Amazon. Oh man, I have never seen this book before. It is a Bible, and I want one. Yeah, it's oh, it's the best value for money. I think they're honestly, I think they might be forty dollars now. No, are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. Oh, that's a steal. Because it was like two hundred fifty when they came yeah, out. Or I know something. we bought them when they came out. Well, I didn't buy it. It was a gift. Yeah. I, bought, I bought two. Just oh. pure raw materials that should cost more than 40 bucks. I know. I agree. So if the only reason I haven't read that is because it's so heavy. Yeah. It is. <laughs> like, it's I can't gen- lift it. It's a genuine, like, real coffee table book because mm-hmm. it, it requires a coffee table. No, because it is a coffee table. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so I'm in the Tomorrow Never Dies section. I remember I was looking at it last night. I like to, when I'm we're watching these movies for the podcast, I like to pop these open and mm-hmm. see if I can glean anything. And instead of writing it down uh, on my phone and bringing it in that way, I like to awkwardly hold this book and read. Because <laughs> there's no other way to hold that book. <clears throat> okay, so... German actor Gotts Otto. Gotts? How do you yeah. spell that? When it, isn't it? It's G-O-T-Z, an um- umlaut. There's an umlaut. Yeah. Oh, good. G O umlaut T Z. Gutz. Gutz. Gutz Otto. Gutz Otto. Something like that. German actor Gutz Otto tried for the role of Stomper, Carver's murder- murderous head of security. And then here's Gutz Otto's. Uh, what he says. His take on it? His hot Casting take? Casting director Debbie McWilliams brought me into Barbara's office and she was on the phone. Debbie whispered in her ear, this is Gotts Otto from Germany. So Barbara said to the person on the line, sorry, I've got a very good looking German guy here right now. And I thought, I'm in. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Barbara. Oh, boy. I'm going to Google this guy and see if he really is a heterochromiac or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay Poe, Pow, rather, was renamed Wei Lin. Michelle Yeoh, an established and highly popular star of Hong Kong action cinema, was cast as Chinese spy Wei Lin. They wanted a woman of the 90s who was as tough as Bond and as intelligent as him. I think the part was perfect for me, Michelle says. (laughs) First of all, let me just say... Now, this guy, I think he's, like, off-putting a little bit in the movie physically. Now he looks great. Let me take a gander. Spin that spin that right round. Oh. Because oh. he, he, obviously that was dyed hair. He kind of just has sandy, dark, blonde hair. But he's, oh, yeah. he's all blue-eyed in real life. He's Keanu Reevesing. He's <laughs> sure. getting marginally younger as time goes on. <laughs> Keanu Reevesing. <laughs> There's our, that's another spinoff from this podcast. Oh. <laughs> um, so we first see the British, which, which frigate is it? The Davonshire? The, the Devonshire. Yeah. The Devonshire. Yeah. Is this pre-cold opening? I mean, pre-titles? Oh, this titles? is immediately post-title. Let's talk about the titles, if you Well, I, I liked some of the imagery in the titles. Yeah. The you song, like as of? you know. This little song, <laughs> as you know, is a hit. It's a great song. Misstep. Uh, Cheryl Crow. Major misstep not <laughs> to put that job. Katie Ling song up front. Um, I mean, that right there, biggest signifier of what you're in for with this movie. Had I, some opportunities, didn't take them. How do you feel about all the 3D? I like that. I mean, the X-ray, rather. I like that. Yeah. I like seeing I like how that. the gun mechanics work. Really, I learned a lot from this cold open. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, in terms of internet datedness, the thing of, look at these circuits and yeah. this binary code. I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm super on board for dated internet. It's yeah. my favorite thing. Yeah, I mean, it's as it's as <laughs> close know. to Lawnmower Man as we get. <laughs> and and we all Brown know franchise. we're always, in whatever we do, trying to get as close to Lawnmower Man as possible. Well, it's Pierce Brosnan's staple. <laughs> That's true. Get Jeff Fahey in a Bond film. What are we waiting for? Uh, okay, so I... I... We know, we know the plan. What did you think of the plan? Well, or what did you think, rather, of the action of... The Devonshire and the Chinese Migs. I like this. I like it's. I think it's a good way to start a film in that they've they've set off their navigating computer just enough to confuse the Chinese. That great. I'm in. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm right now. I'm watching this movie. Going pretty decent cold open. 
could have been a better song. I wonder if there'll be a better one at the ending. And hey, this is a great way to kick off the plot. Also, you got in the titles, you got a stunt guy, stunt supervisor named Dickie Beer. So, you know, like right now, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy my evening if I'm a first time watcher. What did you think? If, we have not talked about it. I don't think we somehow didn't even mention it in the first one, but uh, the way Bond gets dispenses with the fellow behind him in the, in the plane. By ejecting him into, into the plane above plane. him. Uh, yeah, that's that's fine. It's good. I mean, it does feel like it would have taken his head with him. Like, because that guy oh, would have sure. ex- realized he's ejecting and grabbed on for dear life to that garret or whatever it was around Bond's neck. And it would have just decapitated Bond. Yeah. Well, also, I, there's, I remember even now that as a kid, that whole cold open blew my mind twice in terms of vehicular stuff you can do. One yeah. of them is that ejector seat thing yeah. where you can fire someone's ejector seat and other thing as a weapon. And then the other was using a plane like a tank and shooting yeah. missiles and yeah, guns and I rockets like at yeah. people on the ground. Yeah. It was like, oh, this is a whole new paradigm for planes. Yeah, Here I really go, like you know? that. The soft floor of a MiG that you can just eject a pilot <laughs> through that he comes up fully intact. Well, you know, he's he's right there. And and the, and the speed with which you're coming out of an ejector seat, especially in the first, you know, 20, 30 meters, is to get you away from the plane that's exploding. Uh-huh. So I, I find that completely viable and probably screen accurate. Okay. Yeah. The bottoms of MIGs, it's all shag carpeting. Yeah. And it's all, I mean, there's it's very a, comfortable. You don't want a Soviet. You, know? you want a nice decor. soft belly on your fighter plane. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> okay, so cold open, I'm fine with. I didn't love the guy, the steering of the torpedo. Hmm. The, 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 I guess it's the cutter, right? I'm not oh, sure. Like the C drill or, yeah. or whatever it is. I was like, mm, that seems silly. Yeah. We've mentioned this before, but it is a gloft, and that's to look out for young Gerard Butler. Oh yeah, he's in on this, the... yeah. He's, oh really? He's in the Devonshire. Wow. He's he's like he's up front. Seems like every he's three... so young, it's hard to recognize. Every him. three or four years when we do I know this I movie, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, let me give you a whole rundown of who's in this movie. It's crazy. I had I had a pair of things like that, but you might have them. Is yeah. it Hugh Hugh Bonneville from Downton yes. Abbey and yes. Julian Fellows from Downton Abbey? Exactly. And Samantha Bond from Downton Abbey. I oh, have sure, to say, sure, yeah. yeah. This movie is might be the stiffest competition for most British. Yes, of any of the James Bond movies. It's also yeah. the heaviest crossover with uh, Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay, go ahead. All right, you got the is he an admiral who's running the British ship at the end? Who's we just the Nazi had... from Last Crusade? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You've got um, actually, I just meant James Bond in general. <laughs> Because <laughs> you've got that guy, Walter Donovan is Christados, Allison Duty is in View to a Kill, of course Connery, and John Rhys Davies is Sala, and he's uh, Pushkin in in Living Daylights. Uh, a lot of Last, Last Crusade, Crusade shot actors. at Pinewood as well. Oh, correct. Sure. I'm not sure. I think it yeah, did. I don't know. I'm hmm. gonna say it did. Uh, this is the shortest turnaround for a James Bond movie they've ever had. What, like a two years, a year and a half or yeah, something? Yeah, like for oh. to get the script done. Oh, no, because the they would do them the yearly in the beginning. Uh, well, maybe it's just in Michael Wilson's tenure. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a release date and everyone had agreed, so we had a deadline. The tightest ever. We had never been under so much pressure. We've mm. done so many now that it's harder to come up with ideas. No kidding. But writers need to realize that you s- start with a strong villain... And a caper, and everything else follows. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. First you get the villain, then you get the caper, then you get the, that third thing from Scarface. 
<laughs> was this Purvis and Wade? No, it was Bruce Firestein. The Broadway actor from Miss Doubtfire? No. No, you're thinking of Harvey. <laughs> I would have preferred it. Uh, rude. This is a great movie. I don't know why you would prefer Harvey Firestein, right? <laughs> However, can you I'm imagine? Not I would. That movie. No, I would love it. Blonde, James. Uh, well, sort so of along those lines. This is the first time I've watched it, knowing who Julian Fellows is exactly and what yeah. he looks like. And it, it is incredibly British for the Minister of Defense yes. to be the Downton Abbey guy. It's I know. the best. <laughs> I mean, does he take the most British award for this film? Are we so even who? gonna Julian Fellows? Or is it Admiral Hargrove or whatever his name is? You know, is. Admiral Cheeks. Carlos Admiral Cheeks. is very close, but the Prime Minister guy. Yeah. Is that Julian Fellows? Well, he, the Minister, yeah, Julian minister, Fellows is the Minister, minister of Defense. Defense. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's, it's him and Jeffrey Palmer Ooh, yeah. and Judy Dench all arguing. Last thing yeah. we need. Yeah. Yeah. That's the last thing we need. <laughs> yeah. You can hear his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is 100% the most British person that's ever spoken yeah. in a James Bond Then I movie. think we're yeah. in agreement. Like, yeah. I cannot wait for the day that we sit down and do the Sweet 16 bracket of most British people. We should. In fact, we should also go back and for see... for a live one. Yeah. Who we named in the prior recordings of these. I'm sure we picked him last time. Had to have, Had right? to have, yeah. yeah. Second place, I guess, for this movie of most British. The runner-up for most British, for me... <sighs> I think it's gotta be uh it's gotta be the captain of the boat at the end. Oh yeah. Who's work who's uh finally working with the Chinese yeah. and figuring it out, the baldish guy? Yeah. Yeah. That's the Last Crusade guy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Super British. Yeah, but see now that's hard for me because he always plays Nazis, so it's hard <laughs> for me to not see him as a Nazi. Not see him as a Nazi. <laughs> Uh, Roger, the director, spot as well. That because I was going to say, in terms of rankings of Britishness, I googled him. I, I don't think he's actually British, but one of the most British things in the movie is the title, directed by Roger Spottiswood. Yes, it's incredible. It incredibly an, British. Isn't he an OBE though? I think he's Canadian, so oh, he's like Britishish. Right? You know, there's queens on their money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit's cool. I do think the direction is is. What's responsible for the the missteps in tone of this? Do you movie. know what's interesting? What is? I was like, this guy. This is a great movie. He must have made some fantastic movies after this. And I was like, oh, oh no, yeah. And that was actually the only thing so far that has made me question my love of this movie was his career following Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, uh, I think he did the Sixth Day. He did, and then after that, nothing great. Turner and Hooch. That's before this. Air America. I don't know that. Well, after this, yeah, he, um, oof. Anything, let me just run some of these titles by you and sure. see if it rings oh, a bell. The Matthew Shepard story, TV movie. Okay, I've heard of that. That I've heard of, yeah. Icebound. Nope. Spinning Boris. Nope. Ripley Underground. Nope. Shake Hands with the Devil. Maybe I've heard of that. The Children of Huang Shi. Nope. The Touch of a Kiss. And that's just a short... A document, two documentaries, Forgiveness and Justice, Beyond Right and Wrong, Stories of Justice and Forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> the Journey Home and A Street Cat Named Bob. Oof. Now, A Street Cat Named Bob, probably right. underrated. Yeah. Did this guy do something wrong or something? I don't know. I found that odd. Yeah. Yeah. Just roughly looking at IMDb, it seemed like this movie plus Sixth Day somehow uh, put him in a spin. Yeah. yeah. It might have. Yeah. Here's some here's some interesting stuff for Matt Gorley. That's might, me. Might help him 
with his. Yeah. Okay. Rather, I mean, it might help your case more than my case. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Danny Graydon says, Martin Campbell, the director for GoldenEye, did not want to return to the series for a second consecutive film. Michael G. Wilson then says, We try to find good, solid directors. We want someone who's not looking to make Bond quirky. Just looking to make it solid. (laughs) We have a big audience out there. They expect a certain product. Uh, Danny Creighton says, Roger Spootswood, Spottis Wood, rather, uh, who had been Sam Peckinpah's editor prior to pursuing a directing career, was hired in September of 1996. Wow. The studio didn't want to make the August 23rd script because the film would have have to open May 1997 to have any topical value. The whole concept had to be radically altered. The media mogul stayed in the story, but that was all. Now, I think what what they're referring to as the May 1997 thing is the British handing transitioning hong kong oh, back to the right. power under china right oh yeah i think that the, i think that that's what this movie was going to be about see they could that would have been interesting to me right they didn't have that could have been a really yeah. good movie yeah that would have been great huh. wait what's your least favorite thunderball yeah and alex what's your least favorite bond film if you know Ooh, um i want to say license to kill mm. yeah I get that. Yeah, I do too. I get that. Look, I get both of yours. Why can't you get mine? <laughs> I'm really trying, man. Yeah. Like I as much as you pretended to try to like or see this movie differently, I am actually pretending to try to see where you're coming from. I appreciate yeah. that. Also, I should say I feel like no Bond actor has done a bad job of it, and I like Living Daylights. I just not not licensed to come. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Living Daylights. In case yeah. Timothy Dalton's we, we listening and I'm pretty he, he, well, he's in he's in the other room. Um <laughs> we got a closed circuit feed. Uh you I watched saw... the movie with James Bond and Timothy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I see yeah, I like Goldeneye. Uh, and it's a similar thing. I think like I think this does probably the same amount of drop off license of kill, to kill does from Living yeah. Daylights for you. That's what this does. Yeah, the best license to kill thing is Benicio del Toro's line readings. Otherwise, honeymoon. It's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't stop saying that on my honeymoon. <laughs> my wife almost left me on our honeymoon. <laughs> Let me just move over the four feet that it takes to lay out this book. And, uh... <laughs> We're all under it like a canopy yeah. right now. <laughs> if you'll allow just, me a couple of other criticisms. Just hand this story. out at homeless all shelters right. in L.A. and it'll solve the problem. They can live in it. I don't love the, the book production is. design of this film. Everything looks like a prop. Again, I think you're not putting yourself into the time of 1997. No, I think I am, and that may be the problem. <laughs> What yeah. were the highest-grossing movies of 1997 besides Titanic? I'm gonna find out. So yeah, well, uh, Independence Day probably. Uh, no. Oh, oh, I mean, 96. oh, sorry, the 90s in general. So, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Uh, so okay, here's what the here's here's what's going on in 1997. Titanic, Lost World, Jurassic Park, Men in Black, Tomorrow Never Dies. Is this the order? This is the order. Uh, Air Force One, As Good As It Gets, Liar Liar, and My Best Friend's Wedding. I don't know what to say. Me either. <coughs> hmm. I just wanted to like... I'd put this above yeah. uh, Lost World for what sure. What year did True Lies come out? Earlier? Yeah, 94, 93? I want to say that, yeah. 
let's look at 96. 96, you have The Rock, Mission Impossible, Twister, and Independence Day. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is not really swaying anybody's opinion here. Yeah. I'm not, what's well, your point exactly? <laughs> my opinion, my point is, look at the other shit that was coming out then. Yeah, I know by comparison, I still would take this movie, but I yeah. think it was also a, not a terribly great time for film. Because <laughs> as, as a broad thing, I feel like I also don't totally know how much I like this movie yet, because we're still figuring out exactly what the 90s mean in film. Yeah, and that's true. Like, like. Matt Meyer, yeah. when you were talking about casting Michelle Yeoh, and they said they want a woman of the 90s. Like, in the 90s, that meant one thing. And now when I hear that, I was like, oh, they want something dated? You know, yeah. it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird, yeah. I'm still figuring out exactly what that decade means to me. Oh, uh, I mean, I, I would say twice a season in Golden Girls, Blanche says, this is the 1980s. Yeah. And then you're just like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is also, this decade of, part of this is not this movie's fault. It's that I was in my early 20s mid 20s and that's when a young man is the most like gives the most scrutiny to film and thinks they know the most so like i I, this already had a strike against it from annoying young matt gorley yeah but as a grown ass man i can still objectively say that this one (laughs) does not survive the scrutiny this is unbelievable to me i really don't know how to feel about this it's breaking Mm. my heart can i i I don't remember how do you feel about world is not enough because I feel like these are relatively comparable yeah. movies. I, I still don't think it's great, but I like it better than this one. And my okay. argument for that I has always been because it, I feel like this one is that I don't. There's never a moment where I go like this feels new or exciting. Like it just feels so derivative, or? one level derivative, and a lot of Bond films are. But also, the thing that always kills me about this one is the level of melodrama and you even see it in the the direction choices like they do a couple moments of slow-mo in here and it's post-production yeah. Yeah, slow-mo slow-mo that looks very choppy especially uh, most noticeably when michelle yo is firing off the last two bullets she has yeah and, and does a hair just, toss and yeah. It's like, yeah yeah it feels like oh that's very glaring the scene between paris and bond is straight out of a soap opera the music everything and i love david i 100 agree and, and yeah you're right it just yeah. It's asking you to really invest emotionally in something that this movie then immediately jerks you out of, and I don't know. I think that they were trying to do something with the character of Paris, and I don't... I think they were unsuccessful, and I think part of the reason they were unsuccessful is because of how uh, little screen time was given to Mm. Terry Hatcher. Uh, And I... You know, I I admire them for trying to do that. Me too. In a in a Bond series where we hadn't had a real emotional connection with a female since Tracy, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I admire them for doing that, pulling someone from Bond's past that we don't know about. I um, find myself in those scenes wanting, like, that's when I get into the movie. And yeah. then it, I think it nosedives those scenes too much. But I, I have found those parts like, oh, I'm into this. Go this way. Go this way. Yeah. And it doesn't pay off or something. I don't know. Well, and also, and with Paris, I think they're trying to do a Casablanca reference yeah. overall because yeah. the name, and then also, oh, right. there's it had to be you, I think, on the piano when yeah, you first that's see right. her, yeah, and that feels not earned. No. I don't think they pulled it, it feels off. Stolen. <laughs> wow, I didn't even put that together. I'm yeah. glad I'm convinced. Stop it, Alex. <laughs> glad you guys are coming around like, on my I, side. So no solidly. one said that so solidly. <laughs> Okay. Well, all right. So we talked about the, the we seeing the 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 Devonshire go down, and the next scene, we see 
a title that says Oxford, and we see a DB5 parked out front. Nice. What, what do you think about that, Matt Great, Corley? great. Love it. In fact, I do have some nice things to say. One thing that I really like about this movie, and let's use our brains here and think, have they ever done this in a Bond film before? Mm-hmm. This is good. A distinct timeline. You have 48 hours. How much of that, I guess... Does yeah. Moonraker have an element of that, I think, maybe? It's always yeah, says Moonraker something to do with has a, a timeline. But this, when you're starting yeah. the film off with, you've got 48 hours to get your man to do you this, or else we're taking this other investigation. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Your teeth were weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's one of the good ways I think it's like a straight up action movie, is that yeah. it is, it's a very, from there, it's a very clear, there's a nuke, you have this time, let's go. And yeah. it's almost all happening in real time. Like we're seeing that, you know, Bond's crazy weekend unfold. Well, they're also, they're also at old MI6 here. Yeah. They're not in the new SIS building. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bond, Pierce Brosnan's wearing a three-piece Navy suit and driving an Aston Martin DB5. Yeah. I'm That's always good. on yeah. board for that combination. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Great. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's a, here's a gloft. Oh, well, using my own gloss. Wait, you're a maloft. I'm a, here's a maloft. <laughs> M-loft. Here's a Myra's lookout for this. Yeah. Robinson, in the Rolls Royce, as they're careening through town, uh, looks like he spilled a bit of drink on his suit. Oh. But they did not cut out. They left oh. him in that suit for the <laughs> reaction. Is Robinson the black guy? Yeah. Okay. I always think he's Tanner, and we always have this conversation where you correct me. Yeah, no, I, he's not Tanner. Yeah. With him, I think of him as the actor's name, Colin Salmon, just because I love oh, that sure. name. Salmon? Name. His name is Colin Salmon, like the fish. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I think I read once that he was at some point in line to be Bond in some kind of casting process, but it never turned out. That's right. We may be We did, about I that. think, that and would... I still say I think he would have been great. Yeah, especially in this movie. All right, man. We don't need <laughs> everything you're thinking another thing about that bond paris scene especially the first one is it has a lot of echoes of the indian and Mar- indian marion meeting in raiders of the lost ark she slaps him right off the bat and like you had a lot of nerve leaving me and that kind of thing so yeah. it reminds me of that and that scene is so good that it's another like pales in comparison and that even feels like it has some casablanca riffs going on in it too so yeah this movie yeah. is just a clone of a clone of a clone <laughs> Okay, so we have in this film one of the great, uh, for me, I think, it's one of the great Bond vehicles, the BMW 750IL, which which I always think of as... It's fantastic. I always think of as the most practical James Bond vehicle that's ever been built. No, this is a... Matthew! This is a... Middle manager's car who no, lives it's in upper a, management. Those cars were one hundred twenty thousand. No, what I'm new. saying is like a working class man who doesn't buy his wife any gifts and use all the money to buy himself a nice car because he's like a Willie Loman salesman. That's I'm buying like, one, I gotta, I gotta project this. It looks like a, a just a, a family sedan. That's the beauty of it. It's got so many missiles. <laughs> <laughs> he sends me a text last night that one's for sale for $3,000, and I pointed out that the prop phone that controls that is on sale for about $3,000. So that's at an auction. This I <laughs> yeah. can walk. I can go to Palm Desert. You want to drive me out there uh, and pick this thing up for three grand? Yeah. Same color. Today. Let's do it. Same <laughs> color. Let's just record it. Oh. <laughs> So I asked it? my wife, I literally asked my wife, I was like, hey, could I just, could I buy 
<laughs> this BMW. She's like, we have two cars. I so was like, you're I know, saying this your wife is like, a sane person. This, yeah, she's absolutely 100% the sane portion of the relationship. Mm-hmm. She's like, no. I, I was like, but I've wanted this since I was 14. And she's like, do you have any things you've wanted since you were 14 that I keep having to put I up know. with? I know. I've seen your room of guitars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certain they're hanging on walls, but you can't see the walls. He says, <laughs> in a room with a Stormtrooper blaster behind him and a wall of guitars on his right. Four guitars, hey, one Stormtrooper hey, hey. blaster. That's three guitars and a banjo, Yeah, one's a banjo. Yeah, that's true. So that's even, yeah, at least there's some diversity in there. Well, Listen. Um, let's talk about the size of Q's hands. Yeah, I was I like wondering. To I, I tried to episode. look. Yeah. I was looking for this. Now the medium, the 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 baseline for all of these is Goldeneye, just because it's the first film we did. But this one is a special right. qualification. Yeah, because this is post Goldeneye, and theoretically, you'd think maybe they're getting a little bigger because he's. I don't know if he's <laughs> swelling with yeah, age. Sure. But I'm actually putting this Goldeneye minus one because the size of his red jacket is so huge that it actually right. diminishes the size of his hands. So I think just smart Do you think they purposefully put him in a giant jacket? It is giant and red, and it takes your eyes off the hands because his hands are giant and red. But this jacket is bigger and redder. <laughs> the so. Avis jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, with off of Avis, there's two instances of product placement mm-hmm. that really, really jump out to me in this movie. <laughs> One of them is Avis, and I find it very integrated. It really works for yeah. me. Because, like, yeah. oh, good rationale for sneaking the car yeah. into Germany. Uh, the, the reasonably funny joke of landing it in an Avis office when he's done with it. Yeah. Sure. yeah, You get to have the cartoony jacket and everything very fun. The other one is Smirnoff. Yeah. And it is nonsense to me the whole scene involving because it's he's done all of this whole operation his life's definitely in danger and then he's just sitting in his hotel room halfway (laughs) through an entire bottle of smirnoff when he could be killed at any moment i know he's an alcoholic and everything the man likes to drink and you know i it's for me i enjoyed that because it very much felt like to dr no where he's literally sitting down in his hotel room with a bottle of smirnoff drinking it straight Oh, yeah. Actually, I hadn't thought, but that's true. It is a parallel there. It's okay. Yeah. Because we're lovers, not experts here. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, this movie is product placement heavy. And it did occur to me all along, have we been missing a product placement that's been in almost every film? Which would be? Walther PPK. <laughs> <laughs> what if that's not a story element, that Walther came to that, them and went... That, hmm. that gun probably has only sold as much because of James Bond. That's probably right? true, yeah. But I... Uh, just for a moment, I would like to talk a little bit more about this car. Okay, that's a perfect time for me to go pee. <laughs> but I want to ta- I want to find out why you don't like the car. I'll be right back. Oh, you're oh, actually going. I see. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Alex. Oh, we no, keep, we keep go- going. Yeah, we're going to okay. keep going. You're yeah, ignoring yeah. him going to the bathroom, missing out on quite uh, possibly the greatest Bond car yeah. that isn't an Aston Martin. Finally, we can just live in the glow of this movie that's so well, good. So you they know? had, you know, in GoldenEye, yeah. they had the BMW Z3. Right. And uh, it had missiles and all that stuff in it, but they didn't have time. They got a prototype from BMW, so they had no time to build out the car. Yeah. So they went overboard on this one. And they were like, well, let's build out the car. For so, sure. I listen, you're seeing everything deployed. Tear gas, 
You're seeing uh, the little spiky stuff. The little spiky things coming Always out of good. the bumper. Classic. You're seeing a security system that I love. I like the female voice in there. Yeah. I, that's like his foil as he has the car. <laughs> I. You see a phone that can drive the car. Yeah. Which is was awesome to me as a as a as a 14 year old but also you're seeing what is i believe we talked about this last time but just to bring it up one more time the uh saw that comes out of the bmw badge at the front of the car is is quite possibly the most convenient thing ever placed on a vehicle 100 percent, and also the most i would say the only thing for me that keeps this scene from being perfect is the saw that comes out of the bmw's hood yeah, that's ridiculous. Can I just interject really quickly? And speaking of Walther product placement, yeah. from now on, since there's usually a point in the, these long podcasts where one of us has to go pee, yeah. it is now the Walther PPK <laughs> moment. <laughs> Continue. Can I, well, can I also say I like the idea that the Walther is product placement. In that, what if, like, if they didn't get that sponsorship, they were going to do a totally different main weapon for him? Like, he was going to be a sword guy or something, and then Walther rolled in. And they were Emerson like, well, we got a deal. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, I, do you, what do you think of the car's remote control feature? It's fine. It just feels, it feels like I wouldn't, I would question it less than a Roger Moore movie, you know? I'm actually, I'm way into that whole aspect of I think the first thing I remember from this movie is remote controlling his own car from the back seat. Yeah. Really yeah. works. Really uh, great. Also, like I feel like you're getting a lot of very charming Pierce Brosnan in that. Yeah, it's it's a good sequence. It goes on a little long. It I does think. go on very long, yeah. yeah and that saw blade yeah. thing's ridiculous. The saw blade yeah, thing yeah. is so silly. Yeah. Like it has no reason to exist. The other silly thing in it is the fact that you uh one of those roll up uh, metal doors in a parking garage two missiles fired at it and it's still there hmm. that seemed a little bit like yeah because that was the hotel parking lot not like the carver media parking lot right. so <laughs> yeah, i don't right, see right. why the hotel steel gate <laughs> would be so much more powerful <laughs> than a regular steel gate german engineering and craftsmanship man <laughs> i also like the fact that he's driving a bmw and he's in germany yeah, mm, sure. You know, yeah, I like this sequence. How just you fine. know, it's a way to be incognito. No yeah. one's gonna give a second look to a BMW 750 in Germany. That's yeah, true. But you see an Aston Martin rolling on the street, you're like, "What's going on there?" He should drive every country's main car when he goes to every country. Oh, I'd like that. Yeah, sure. What yeah. would he do out here? A Mustang or an F150? Well, he did a Mustang. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, he did. Time was now he'd do a Prius. Or no, that's Japan, I guess, but (laughs) it's just in like a yellow Hummer or something. Mostly assembled here in North Carolina. Oh (laughs) that would be awful. Um so yeah, I was looking up a nineteen ninety eight BMW seven fifty IL on the the internet last night trying to find one for sale to see just how much these things go for right now. Found a pretty reasonable reasonably priced one for uh three thousand dollars with uh ninety six thousand miles on it. Do you think that thing runs okay? Like BMWs are not notoriously long-lived cars. But it would be a situation where I'd go down there, have a mechanic look at it, uh, and then drive it to my divorce proceedings. Because <laughs> my wife would be so mad at me if I just showed up with a giant 20-year-old sedan. However, I will say... That does is probably the car most driven to in a divorce proceeding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is a ridiculous thing, and I honestly, I'm like, this is not. This is like 
a nice guitar costs the same amount of I'm money. I'm surprised it's only $3,000. I was too. That just deal, goes actually, to show yeah. you, like, you couldn't get an Aston Martin for that. Exactly. That's why this should never have been a Bond car. Well, I think that's no why it's the, attainable, it's the attainable Bond car. That's what this movie is, the, the attainable Bond, cars, Bond the movie. The BMW Z3. I don't want attainable in my Bond. The Z8 is still very expensive from The World Is Not Enough. The Z8... Because they didn't make, they made like eight hundred of them. It's Looks not, like a sneaker. Looks like a like it does a look like a sneaker. roller skate. <laughs> uh, the going back, like I thought, oh, the you only live twice car I could get that'd probably be pretty cheap. It's a Toyota, but it's like a Toyota that they had to make a convertible because Connery was so tall. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and uh, that car, if you want to find it, even a coupe version is like one hundred eighty thousand dollars now. Yeah, I'm with Bladen yeah. on those those late. Later era Aston Martins, the Vanquish, and the um, yeah, both the Honor Majesty Secret Service and the Living Daylights ones. I love those too. Yeah, those are goodies. I agree. Plus, the Living Daylights one had skis, so yeah, you really can't fault that car. Um, yeah, when all, and I are you both car guys? Because as a Bond viewer, well, I, in general, I'm not much of a car guy. Yeah, so when either. I'm a Bond viewer, I'm very focused on kind of just the gadgets yeah, and just oh, the sure. uses of them specifically. Yeah. Like it sort of washes over me what model. I'm kind of a car guy. In fact, I don't even know which of the two I just mentioned is the Vanquish. <laughs> uh, it's the it's the uh, well, the Vanquish is driven in die another day. See. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a Vantage. Vantage, that's what I meant. And, yeah. Oh, uh, is, maybe there's not daylights. even a Vanquish. I don't know. Um, Look, I'm not. See, a... you should get a Vanquish because it's invisible. That's <laughs> I, the best. Oh, I have one. I've got three oh, outside. Oh, and one in it. this room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, here's keep going. Here's another thing about uh, Brosnan, whom I love as a man. When he's getting beat by those security guards at the the Carver banquet. Yeah. Yeah, there is a stunt double for some of what looks like the most rudimentary physical fight work that no other Bond would have dared step out of, and it just maybe and maybe that's not his call. Maybe who knows insurance or whatever. But it seems really weird to have an obvious stunt double in just a fist fight on I'll level tell you why ground. I think that was the case. I think it was the time constraint, and it was second unit. Yeah, maybe. Oh, but even yeah, so, maybe still. That also, those guys felt very, very personality-less and wrote. The guys yeah. beating him up there. Yeah. I really wanted some kind of interesting, weird guy below Stamper in the yeah, hierarchy. Yeah, secondary henchman. Yeah. And that would have been fun. Yeah. Also, there's one kick in that fight where it's so been a little of a long shot, and like he gets knocked down, and then there's one more guy just kicking him behind, and it's a very little-looking kick with a massive sound effect. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, there is it's really the, the sound editing <laughs> in this movie. Like, you expect that kick to be followed by the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, like, yeah that's true. It's very, like, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. blatant. Such a blatant sound effect. Uh, the Living Daylights Aston Martin is the Volant. Oh. Yeah. So... Are they are they big on these V names? Like, is there a Vanquish and there a Vanguard? There is a Vanquish and a Vantage. And a Volant. And a Volant. Is there a Vanguard? No. I'd like there to be. Is there Could a Valet? Well, yes. He'll take your keys. That would be awesome. The <laughs> Aston Martin Valet. <laughs> <laughs> the car has a little vest on it. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> and gives you just a little bottle of water. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the party scene? In general, mm-hmm. and the you know, it's always interesting for me the first time Bond encounters the villain, yeah, because it's usually in the first act and it's usually uh, 
like they usually already know who each other are immediately. Oh yeah, that's what's interesting in this one is that Bond in most every other Bond movie is oh it's James Bond and this time he goes I'm a banker and my name is James Bond. <laughs> yeah, it seems to deny all of that. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Look, also this movie related to the pricing. This movie has almost no mystery solving or traditional spycraft, yeah. which again makes it very, very action movie to me. Yeah. Like, there's James Bond drives from Oxford back to London on the way, picks up a newspaper that lets him solve the entire mystery, <laughs> and then they're in a car on the way to sending him to Germany, where they solve the rest of the mystery immediately. And most of the scene is Money Penny being frisky, and there's yeah. no, there's almost no, like they just all already know that Elliot Carver's manipulating the planet. Yeah, it's already worked yeah. out. Yeah. So when he gets to the party, he does absolutely no detective work. Right. He's just there to be threatening and try to and have sex with his wife. And why would the PM yeah, have stunt double his, Why would the PM have <laughs> M's head if they knew he was investigating? Car. I don't know, but that line about the balls that M has is really good. And it, if it it's does funny. anything, it offsets how bad the innuendo with Money Penny and Bond is in this movie. Cunning it's linguist, so overdone. I really like her. Yeah. As, a, as it's not her fault, she's great. In fact, she delivers those lines really well. Yeah, but that is the worst. I think this may be the worst Bond Money Penny exchange. Maybe next to what's the one with the virtual reality? Is that Die Another Day or World yeah, Is Not Enough? Yeah, uh, Die Another Day. <laughs> But that's just physical. But yeah, this one. Oof. Yeah, even for Money Penny, it is very frisky at all times. Yeah. Yeah. I think they only have dialogue where they're talking about sex or she is listening to him having sex. Yes, that is I it. know. <laughs> Man and Man. Man and Man. Podcast. Support for today's show comes from the good folks at Audible. That's right. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, and business information providers. Unlike a streaming or rental service, with Audible, you can own your books, so you can access them anytime, anywhere, from almost any device. That's including your iPhone, iPad, Android, Amazon Fire tablet, or Windows Phone. Matt, I love it. Plus, thanks to the Great Listen Guarantee, if you don't like your title, guess what? You can swap it out for a new one. Not to mention, Audible channels give you a collection of exclusive original short stories and comedy, so you always have something new to listen to. Matt, I gotta tell you, I'm on a plane a lot lately, and I am digging Audible. Currently listening to Rob Sheffield's book about the Beatles, and I gotta tell you, I've read every book about the Beatles, but listening to Rob Sheffield tell me about the Beatles through his eyes has been an enjoyable experience so far. He tells you with his eyes? Well, he tells me through his eyes, but with his words. And I get to hear him out of his own mouth, thanks to Audibles. Well, it doesn't have to be just Matt or me listening to these books. You can get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at www.audible.com bond. That's audible.com forward slash bond b-o-n-d for your free audiobook with your 30-day trial go on and get it knuckleheads (laughs) a lot of people say that fall is their favorite season but there's no denying it's a busy time (laughs) some of us are dealing with the back to school rush and some of us are already preparing for the holidays one thing that's been making my life easier is the meal kit delivery from Sunbasket. Matt, I'm not even kidding. It's a true story. Really? What do you make? Oh, uh, well, you know, Dory is kind enough to take the reins of the Sunbasket cooking. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's this pork chop dish that they make 
that is out of this world, so much so that Dory has started making it on off-delivery days. Oh, man. They should do a James Bond meal where it's scrambled eggs, figs, yogurt, and coffee black. I love that. I love that idea. Uh, The meals are designed to fit every busy lifestyle. And what I liked about this a lot, and actually why we ended up choosing uh, Sunbasket for us, is the fact that you can choose from paleo, lean and clean, gluten-free, vegetarian, and family options that are created by an award-winning chef and approved by nutritionists. Sunbasket sends you organic and sustainable ingredients pre-measured and ready to go. They take out the guesswork uh, out of preparation, they make cleanup easier, and you can skip going to the grocery store. Just go to sunbasket.com slash bonding today to get $35 off your first order. That's right. You go to sunbasket.com Forward slash bonding, get $35 off. I got to tell you, Dory and I are actually going to use the bonding promo code to get $35 off. Sunbasket.com forward slash bonding. Get on it, guys. Order some paleo. It's good. Now, if that isn't an endorsement, I don't know what is. Now back to the greatest debate in James Bonding history. Don't at me. (laughs) Matt's wrong. Matt and Matt Matt and Matt. James Bonding Podcast. Um... When when are we still at the party? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not having a great time at the party. I want to go home. What do you think of the ashtray? <laughs> Breaks so easily. That yeah, one's ridiculous. Yeah. I also like that there's still an ashtray. The the uh, BMW RC12. Uh, R, I'm sorry, R1200C uh, motorcycle. I think is. Uh, God, it's a good looking bike. Mm. Is that is that the one in Saigon or is yeah. that yeah yeah. I, I, you know, I'm just the vehicles in this movie. Really, just, just, just get my engine going, man. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, and it's really it's heavy on action set pieces in a great way. Yeah. Like it's really driven. It by is. It totally thing. is. So See, look, I, no, there I I disagree with you guys because it feels like it's just answering to action movies of the time, and it lacks Bond flair. They all went a little too long, and it all all the action sequences feel like they're shot not only on a studio backlot, but like an actual theme park studio stunt show set, which actually <laughs> means I should love it, and I don't know why I don't. Yeah. Look at Matt. Do, You're just looking at me with such disdain. No, is that disdain? It's just like, I, I'm like honestly, I, that moment I was like, Maybe there's something wrong with his brain chemistry. That helicopter thing? I mean, that like the helicopter's leaning down and brushing with its rotors. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you ask John Landis if that's a deadly weapon or not. It is a deadly <laughs> yeah, weapon. Guess exactly. what? The helicopter crashed. Yeah, it does eventually, thanks to fucking Wei Lin and, and Jim Jimbo Bondo. <laughs> Let's get back to things this that matter ridiculous. in this film. I don't understand matter. I, I need do, you, Gorley. I do hear what you're saying about the theme park bed specifically with when they're in Saigon and the motorcycle is driving on balconies yeah. above the street. Yeah, and whenever they do a wide shot of it, it does look like it's on some sort of track, like a theme park minecart yes. or something. Yeah, it was very. I, I just wish they would cut to close-ups again and get I, away from I there. I will say here's a here's another loft. <laughs> Okay. This is a Myra's lookout for this. Yeah. The shot where the helicopter does eventually explode. Uh, it's a full-size helicopter, but it's also full of full-size mannequins. Yeah. And they stay on it for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Here's a gloft. Go. When Paris visits Bond and is it... Are they in his hotel room or her yes, hotel? Yes, they're in his okay. hotel room at the Atlantic. Yes. Yeah. Now Brought to you by Smirnoff. <laughs> this is truly a Gorley's lookout for this because I'm... 
I'm at this point, I'm checked out a little bit and I'm just looking at decor. Like I do. The only reason I watch house of cards is to look at the molding. The <laughs> doorknob on that door has a brass plate where it meets the door. That is like a Phoenix or a full, fully shaped silhouette of a bird. It's like not a rectangle really worth checking that out. Your guys. Glass? You yeah, want, do you want that? Yeah. I, that I would take. <laughs> Here's something for you, by the way. Yeah. Matt Gorley. Yeah. Uh, you're just going to get hit with residual information, Alex. Watch okay. out. Uh, principal photography to, for Tomorrow Never Dies began on April 1st, 1997. April Fool's Day. Fitting. At Frogmore Studios. Frogmore? Yep. Although Hang Brosnan on. had the flu with a temperature of 102 degrees, uh... Spottiswood only required a facial expression of grim determination from his leading man for a shot of Bond in the cockpit of the MiG aircraft as it swiftly departs the exploding arms bazaar. So some of his hurt acting was not acting at all. Man, what a trooper. He was really suffering. But they just that's probably one of those shots when he first gets in the MiG. He was probably fully healed by the time he did those hurt acting shots uh listen on april, starting april 3rd brosnan shot scenes set in the ministry of defense alongside series regulars judy dench samantha bond and colin salmon hmm. okay uh samantha says this time i was around much more and then money penny was suddenly put into a scene at the film's end even if you didn't say anything you feel more a part of it <laughs> That's good information, Samantha. Thank you. Okay. So, again, with the relationship with Terry Hatcher, it's, it seems meaningless to me. When he goes into Carver's office and opens his safe, we just see a bunch of cocaine, and that, that's never really dealt with. That's heroin. Oh, it's heroin? Yeah. yeah. He, and, so he's taking And that's heroin? not Carver. That's Ricky Jay, whose name in the movie I don't know. Gupta. Gupta. That's what another a weird thing. Weird name like, for him. He's, he's the an, most American-sounding human being on the planet. Well, they say he's American too. Yeah, he's I know. Just, but I his guess name he's is supposed Gupta. to be Indian of descent. Oh, okay. Well, sure. and, also, and actually, I googled Stamper a bit, and apparently, in early drafts of the script, his character had a different name and was from Nepal and had like a Nepalese name. Uh, and so I think they were between that and the narrow jacket on uh, Carver. I think they were going to try to build a whole like other parts of the British Empire thing, and then they just dropped it and had See, a British guy and a Nazi and Ricky Jay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> British guy and Nazi and Stamper. So that was heroin? That's right, Ricky Jay. I'm calling you out. <laughs> just kidding. And he Gupta's throws cards. a heroin addict? He is the most mildly mannered, focused heroin addict yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, I... the fucking line where he's like, uh, get that satellite down to the launch pad. Uh... It's worth three hundred million dollars. If you break it, you bought it. Oh, what a yeah. what a line! Right, they're keeping a satellite in like an upper floor of an office building. Yeah, and by the <laughs> way, it's not in a really clean great. room. It's not in a clean room. You know, no one has to get dressed in any sort of uh, hazmaty type gear to work on it. Perfect. You're not worried about static electricity. You're not worried about uh, sprinklers going off. Like it's really <laughs> yeah spectacularly ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. and in and in that safe because there's the heroin, there's the encoder, and then there's yeah, also porn. a bunch of German sex magazines, yes. Yes. a bunch of porn. Yeah. Right. 
So I, I couldn't track it. I thought the heroin was maybe, oh, they keep this here if they need future planting evidence on people kind of thing. But then there's the sex magazines. So it was like, is that just for them or do they plant porn on people? No. So I took or, that as, right. to me, I always thought that was Gupta's office. Okay. And that's where he kept his vices. Yeah, that makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not advocating for this in my bond or against it, but it is interesting to note that Lazenby's bond does a similar thing, and he finds a girly mag, and he just sits there and looks at the girly mag for a little bit. Yes, he does find that playboy. Yeah, and I think he probably, if there was heroin in there, would have shot up, too. But <laughs> <laughs> I just do like how like nonchalantly Bond like picks up the syringes and just yeah, tosses them Puts aside. his fingerprints all over him. Yeah. And then, yeah. He is, he's super cool about searching a room. Like even A little bit earlier yeah. in that scene, he isn't sure exactly where the safe is. And there's a long shot of him just chilling in a chair and kind of looking. And that's a close-up on his face. And there's a small smile when yeah. he's like, ah, behind the picture. He's not hurrying at all. No. He's no. just no. He's really got to take a moment to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and is Waylon a good spy? No, because did you see her jump through the door when they're in that white building? When she enters and Bond first sees her, she does a full body jump. Like the door opens as like a vault door and she jumps out, but she stays in the same position and hops in. It's almost like they did a cutout of her. It's not, but it's yeah. comically weird. It's something to, I'm not going to officially call that a gloft, but it's a, it's a, you know, um, look out for it if you like. <laughs> uh, she also has on in that scene, she's got her leather spy outfit on, right? She has the, uh, what I'm going to wager, eight-inch heels. That's, that yeah. really stuck out. And, yeah. well, it did stick out for me, too. Yeah. And then I thought, well, maybe they're full of gadgets. Magnet heels? I was like, maybe oh. they're full of gadgets, and that's the aesthetic reason for those heels to exist. I bet you it's not. I agree, also. But I'm trying to give this movie, apparently, more credit than it's worth to Mac Orley. <laughs> Something, watching it, too, is it? it feels like... At this time in Bond history, they went, let's do Bond TV show, and we'll shoot a pilot, and they're like, oh, let's not do the TV show. Well, let's just put it out as a movie. There's something about this movie that feels more televisual than, I don't know. What is it? I don't see that at all. I think this movie is such a big, like, I think of this movie as big. I think of this movie as set piece, set piece, set piece. Nothing innovative for me about it. It, it, It's got a... You did not... How do you not love the parking garage... Maybe that's the only thing, and then even that. I mean, also, what do you think of, like, them all trying to break it? I love them all trying to break into his car, hitting sledgehammers (laughs) against the glass, shooting bullets at it, them having to call. But I think that that joke was beaten by Four Your Eyes Only when they just blows them up. Oh. Well, as far as innovation, maybe the cell phone is more innovative than we're remembering. Because the cell phone yeah, saves definitely. his life like four times. Definitely. That was a big thing. And well, we're, we're used to phones, but you know. Yeah. Maybe I they do weren't... wonder how they gadget, how they write the gadgets. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they do the plot, sort of go, oh, you know what would be handy if he had here is a fingerprint scanner. Oh, I think. And then think, they go back no. and write the cue scene last. This era is the worst for reverse engineering its gadgets. You like, think so? Yeah. Well, take the world is not enough. He has a I'm ski parka. It that inflates into an igloo shelter solely for avalanches and an avalanche happens. Like they clearly go, what will get him out? It's lazy to me. This movie, not as much, but this era especially. Yeah. 
Maybe you're just not committed to avalanche preparedness. That's like the true. Rest of us. Well, yeah. Wait, what are you guys doing? What do well, I need to I know? I think you should know, sitting in your ski chalet right now, as we are, <laughs> avalanches are dangerous. These yeah. Pasadena avalanches. There's snow up in them mountains. The citrus is coming our way. Look out. <laughs> it's an avalanche of pure fire. <laughs> this movie is dedicated to Cubby Broccoli, and oh, uh, because of that, I think that Matt should like the movie more. Well, that does take it up in my esteem, but he's I feel heartless. like it's not enough of a send-off for him. Uh, I am going to now discuss the the post, or rather, let's just talk about him escaping that satellite area mm-hmm. where he does that. Um I feel like he is straight up murdering just regular corporate security guards. He seems like yeah. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? This like, is they why can't it doesn't, all be aware of the corruption of like, the Carver Media Group. It's another disruption yeah. in tone for me. There are a lot of seemingly collateral damage bystanders just murdered in this What do you film? think of the they'll print anything these days? It's <laughs> um, great. Thank I was you, expecting. Yeah. Thank you. I I was in. <laughs> Check for out that. Alex's no, podcast on the on Cracked. It's there. I was He's in. Someone for that who really gets it because I thought for sure Bond was going to go. What's black and right and red all over? Because I thought that's what level this movie was at. Grunt. Mm. <laughs> um, the uh, David Arnold's putting in some of those great Goldfinger cues. Have did you notice that? Those I can't do them, but those little you know in Goldfinger when he's in the cold opening and putting all the like C four around and there's just those little like background little I don't know just listen yeah, goddamn it I think I, well it, this this will sound like it's insulting it but it's not like kind of that Looney Tunes thing where there's yes, just little yes, stings for each act somebody yeah. does in a good way but yeah. it's that yeah. yeah uh do you think that Bond should have been like. Well, actually, we'll get to that in a, in a bit. So, okay. After the escape in the garage, we end up again, Waylon and Bond end up captured. And they're in the time. Is this after the halo jump in the underwater thing? Oh, yeah. We got to talk about the halo jump and the reappearance of Joe Don Baker. <laughs> yes. Welcome addition to this film. Yeah, how well, does that not take it up? He ain't going to hurt it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> also, I will say this bring is it the down. first time <laughs> I've seen these movies dozens upon dozens of times. And this is this movie was the first time I noticed that Pierce Brosnan is left-handed. Yeah, oh. that's right. He I mean, wears his watch on the inappropriate hand for a lefty, but he does everything else left-handed. And so much so that I Googled it to make sure I was right. And the answer is yes. Pierce Brosnan is left-handed. So that's why you like this film? No. I'm just adding it to the many reasons this film's great. Hmm. Wait, wait, hang on. So before that, do you guys like baseball at all? Yes. So I'm thinking of gun barrel sequences. What hand does Pierce Brosnan do the gun barrel sequence shot with? Because I think it's his right. I think it is the right. Because of the direction he walks. Yeah. So I almost feel like James Bond is like how first baseman and third baseman tend to be one-handedness yeah. oh, because of how it plays. Yeah. You know? Do you think they'd ever consider Bond walking from the left to right? That would throw you. That would really throw me. Oh, it would totally throw you. Yeah. Because there is something about the way Westerners read where you want that gun barrel dot to come in left to right and then follow and Bond him. right to left. Yeah. 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 But to reverse it. 
So even if you're a lefty Bond, you must have to do the gun barrel sequence righty. I think so, and I yeah. think they make, make him wear the watch on that hand, and I and I, you know, it's somebody mirror image one of those and send it to us. I don't okay. know what we'll do with it, but not to me. It'll freak he just me out. wants to see it. <laughs> no thanks. I could do that. I'll do it. Okay. Do that. <laughs> and Alex Schmidt on Twitter is—is is it just your name? It's at Alex Schmitty. Schmitty. Okay. Yeah. Um, spell speaking that. of Twitter, oh yeah. Hang spell on, it. I need a spell. Okay. Oh, S C H M I D T Y. Thank you. Yeah. Speaking of Twitter, this is a T loft. Twitter's look out for this. Yes, I, I'm sorry. I don't remember who it is, but someone pointed out that the. The guy briefing Bond up in that C-130 or whatever it is before he halo jumps is Sergeant Apone from Aliens. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. cool. Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way he says Vietnam. Yeah. It's the best delivery of any Bond movie, I think. Yeah. Explain to me well, this, too. A halo jump. High altitude, low, low opening right. jump. By definition, high altitude, so much so that you got to have a oxygen mask on. Yeah, they right? shouldn't have had that cargo bay door open, and they all would have been dying. <laughs> That's my point. And I know he's That's going underwater, so he's got sure. it for that reason. Sure. But they couldn't have been that high up if they're in what I think is an airplane that you can't even pressurize. Um, yeah. who, who among us hasn't had a strategic meeting <laughs> in a plane... That is open, borderline in space. Who among us? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm doing right? it now. <laughs> I think if you're going to do the halo jump, it's uh, best to do it not that high. <laughs> uh, a lalo jump? The lalo. <laughs> the lalo jump. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that scene, I think more than any in the movie, speaks to this is all action sequences all the time because they have yeah. the conversation about what a bad idea this is yeah. as they're as, training him yes. to do this jump, as yeah. they're doing the jump. Yeah. It's just all packed in. I also, gotta get stuff going. Like, I, I, I'm a sucker for James Bond showing up in his naval uniform. Oh, I'm man. Always a sucker yeah. for Commander yeah. Bond. I'm in. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I wrote I, I wrote that moment down as his little navy uniform. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> uh, every time I, he does that in my head, I'm just like, oh, his little navy uniform. Yeah, I just like oh, that he's. Yeah. A, I like that he still has his, is still somehow active duty in the navy. <laughs> I like that he is flying to this military base, so he's going through official channels, and he's like, you know, I yeah. guess I'll throw on a number of questions. One. Does he always pack that with him? Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, where did where did he get his perfectly yeah. fit naval dress uniform? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and he's never in like, he's never in a Navy uniform that isn't his full. Well, that's not true. I want to see him in one of those like that's not true, World Roger War II sailor boy it? costumes, like American <laughs> sailor well, costumes. That's not going to happen because he's an officer. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Well, if I because if I didn't know he was in the Navy going into Bond movies, and somebody was like, which branch of military would he be in? I think I would guess Navy, like fourth. Makes mm. no sense. Like really? he's yeah. such a good pilot. Yeah, and he's and just in general, Army or Marines are right. a lot of sense. About aircraft carriers, they need pilots <laughs> that's true, in the Navy actually. too. I know that's true, in fact, but it's I true. Think, um, feel like and i could be wrong and i'm sure someone will tell me i feel like uh will smith's character in independence day is in the navy yeah or he's in the air force i don't know he's flying an f-18 hornet actually well, i'm realizing it might be a period thing because at least in the u.s military there wasn't a separate air force for a while it was like the navy air yeah. or something oh air so it might be that it might like be that. that kind of thing hmm. yeah i mean could you just look at the look at the look at the stakes here i mean so many people are in trouble 
This is the yeah. helicopter mowing the lawn of people. But hold on, <laughs> I still got some water stuff to talk sure, about. Let's First of all, water. when he comes out of the water, his out of breath acting rivals his hurt acting. And it is a split second, and he still manages to pull off a. <gasps> but then it made me think every time he's in a hurt acting scene, it's high action, Doesn't high his stakes. Air get cut? Huh? Doesn't his air get cut? I don't remember. Isn't he holding his breath? Some, oh, they both have to jettison their scuba yeah. tanks to get through that tube. No, I know he's out of breath, but there's still the acting. Plus, the thing is, when he's doing his hurt acting scenes, win. they can't, all can't can't win against have been dialogue replaced, ADR'd. Yes, and just imagine yes. these... I would love to be in the room when Brosnan is in a studio booth going... <laughs> Also, when they're underwater and they use the underwater flare, yeah. I get all insane clown posse with their magnets. How does that work? And I mean in real life. The underwater flare? Is it insane uh, clown posse who asks how magnets oh, work? Yeah, it yeah. is. Sure yeah. it is. You're just not, you're just asking because it didn't get the rise out of us you were hoping it would? No, I'm, no, I'm seriously asking like that to me is like, I know there's science behind it, but I don't know how underwater flares work. I think you can burn something underwater. I know you can work underwater, right? But it just keeps burning. Oh, cool! It just keeps burning. And I'm not looking for an explanation. I'm just looking to live in the wonderment of it all, (laughs) like the ICP. Do you think that because you have now seen that amazing fact from this movie? Well, I knew that that these existed. That now you love this movie? Yeah, that's what did it. (laughs) (laughs) I. Really, just don't understand your your not love of this movie. What do you think of them? What do you think of them jumping and and uh, that's good. Escaping. This uh, is maybe the... the highlight of the movie for me. I like the fact that they're the handcuffed thing provides great action tension. This is an up moment for me when they get on the motorcycle. But again, it goes too long and it feels a little. I don't know. Like like there's something. There's a like stakes or energy that's lacking and even that scene and i don't know if it's i love michelle yo but she just all of her lines have been adr'd and they lack a little vitality when she does her kung fu scene it's fantastic it's incredible this is an interesting quote from the writer of this movie bond lives in a world set 30 seconds into the future yeah i like that yeah yeah because it's like just just out of reach enough yeah, I like that. Uh, so he, I think that the handcuffed thing is for his, for the amount of time they're handcuffed. Yeah, I really just I I, I dug it. I I also like that they're fighting over. Is it? A, do we take a car? And he's like, no, 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 bike, bike, bike is faster. Yeah, it is funny that they're in an Asian locale, and what do they do? They run into a fireworks truck, and I half expected them to like. Next is a fortune cookie factory, and then a, cut, yeah, a finger cuff <laughs> shack. <laughs> then they crash into a bunch of gongs. <laughs> um, yeah, I. it is a little ridiculous like that. Um, <sighs> We're having a good time. <laughs> Let me throw something good at you about Brosnan. Oh, please. When they're in her little weapons cache or whatever, and that little... Statue, dragon dragon flamethrower his reaction really good really funny so that's amazing yeah, because so this great. is something i saw watching through Gorley's eyes and 
I hated as Matt Gorley. Really? As Matt Gorley, so I was you don't like, understand me. This is ridiculous. Why no. would he be behaving like that? Because I thought he didn't overplay it, and he had a natural reaction. It's almost like they didn't tell Brosnan that was going to happen because they knew his acting wasn't going to. They needed to really get his reaction. Pierce, uh, I'd like you to please come on and defend <laughs> yourself with me. If he comes on, I will lie. The whole time. We're going to really find out what kind of a man you are. I'm going to throw Matt Myra under the bus. <laughs> yeah. If he if he comes on, will you admit that you are Matt Gorley? Or will you try to be some other no. dude? Will you try to be like Matt Myra? Because we're both named Matt. That's and... right. I'm going to say I'm Matt Myra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got I to gotta figure out how to get that done. No, don't, please. Oh, he's got a movie coming out. No, don't. Don't. Oh, you don't want Pierce Brosnan No, I don't. Because I... I do not want a man to think I don't want I don't want to make him feel bad. I don't want him to face this. I don't want to be a bad guy to him. So that's an episode I have to do on my own then. I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> because I yes, I'm taking the piss out of these movies, but I could never do as good a job as he does. I still like him. I just, you know, we have to have something to talk about. And already I feel afraid. I don't want to hurt a man's feelings. I was just, I was just texting our booker. And instead of texting her, I started texting Pierce Brosnan. And there's yeah. no one in my phone named Pierce yeah. Brosnan. I was like, what Do is Because in the room, Matt Meyer, when you said, like, I got it. We got to figure out how to book that. You were picking up your phone. And for a second in my head, I was like, is he like one more minute on his phone away from doing this? Yeah, I could do is it. Is he like I can that get it close done. to booking people? I can Rosalind? get it done. Don't do it. And then don't <laughs> listen to the tirade of social media comments you're going to get saying, get him on. I mean, it just is foolish if there's a, a living legend out there in the in the shores of Malibu who would swing by so close and talk to us about what it was like to be James Bond from 1996 to 2000. I don't have the spine to stick up for my critical analysis of this with him in the room. You don't have to do that, though. It's not like I would bring him in here and go, now, Pierce... My co-host thinks you're terrible. I don't think he's terrible. Pierce, if you're listening, I have some issues with this era of filmmaking, and I think you were wronged by your directors. I think you're a gentleman, and I look forward to one day hanging out with, with, with the most Irish Bond that ever was. You're one of my favorites, and I love driving to Malibu. There you go. <laughs> Looks like Alex and I are doing a podcast. Okay. I think that's fair, Alex. Take my stead. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, what do you, do you, did you like think anything of the motorcycle? You didn't think, wow, that's a really cool looking motorcycle. No, because everything looked like it was on a rig. Uh, I don't know how their legs didn't get just burned. Let me put up it to you this that. way compare this to the Remy Julian view to a kill car thing. And everything felt like it was really happening. This always felt like they were on wires. And very controlled. It just, it didn't have stakes to me. I don't know what it is. Hmm. And Pierce, that isn't your fault. When you come over to my house in Pasadena and we record. Oh, I see. You're going to drag him out here from Malibu. Yeah, because I want to make it, going to I want to make it at every turn a reason for him to say no. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's no parking, so you're going to have to get like, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, you're going to have to <laughs> drive your BMW motorcycle and jump it in. <laughs> uh, I've looked for that bike also You know, I wanted a motorcycle for a long time I was like settling on a, on a 70s Triumph Bonneville But oh, uh, yeah. I've looked at this My wife again Well, let me get a motorcycle So, 
in reality, she's probably saved my life a number of times, but mm. uh, boy, I wish she would just lighten up and let me get a get the Tomorrow Never Dies cadre of vehicles. <laughs> I, I'm now wondering if I'm more into this motorcycle scene because I'm personally terrified to drive a motorcycle. Yeah, I would I'm, never uh, want to do that. Me either. Yeah. yeah. I really want to. And mm. I think that's the bike I'd want. It's really? so big. Yeah, it is big. It's a yeah. beefy bike. Beefy bike. If you're out there and you'd like to give me motorcycle lessons, reach out via Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Is Carver's catchphrase in this movie delicious? Because he says it at least twice. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Press, what do you think of him generally as an actor? Generally, I like him. I liked him on Game of Thrones. I liked him in Ronin. Uh huh. Don't like. I mean, him you in want this. a fucking, you want a car chase. You watch Ronin. Oh yeah. yeah. You watch Ronin. Yeah. You get a. You that's a that's a yeah. chase. Um. So as an act, that's why I, Pierce. If you listen to one thing, it's that save Judy Dench. This era of movies turns, I think, really good, capable actors like yourself into choices. That I'm, I think don't work as well. I I don't think price is good in this. You're saying the price is wrong. I am, and I'm also <laughs> saying with this disclaimer again, this is my opinion. You are, I understand. I'm probably in the minority with this, so I don't need to hear about it. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of hate for these episodes. Well, well I just feel like because I'm the giving only hate. time that. Any either of us are ever negative. That's not true. You shit all over Thunderball. Oh, more than me, I would say. I would say yes. That's accurate. Yeah. Okay, Thunderball is so, pretty great. But and you can't two... shut up about License to Kill. <laughs> there are those are our two least favorite of the movies, right? If we did our averages. Um. Oh, that's a good question. What would be my no? Because World is Not Enough and Die Another Day. Still we did fall the ranking, Thunder... right? Yeah, we did the movie at the ranking. end, but we need to do it again because it always changes. Do you have a number one, Alex? Um, I, I lean toward Goldeneye, oddly, mm. and I lean toward Goldfinger and From Russia with Love. Mm. I think mm-hmm. the first three... Solid. Because uh, 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 also, uh, let's go overall, really broad, Connery is the best Bond to me. Mm-hmm. And then I think Brosnan's number two for me. I'm way into Wow. Uh, but Connery is the best Bond partly because those first three movies so template... Yeah. How good the series yeah. can be and what the series is. Like you yeah. can't ignore somebody doing a good job in the movies to yeah. make the whole thing. Right. I want I want it to be noted that I went into this episode with two bon- uh, Brosnan lovers here and I went and tried to like this. And so this is not yeah. me being trying to be, you know, contrarian, but I'm just facing real odds. Yeah, I gotta You're say, in the lion's den. Yeah. yeah. I think within the next year this movie's getting revisited again. You can't just We're gonna get it. through. We're gonna get through the fucking what 24. do you expect to change in a year? I just it's been I probably just, two or since we last did it three even. to really. I'm inviting Pierce Brosnan you, over. I'm here's what I recommend: you, when, when we do the audio commentary for this on Stitcher Premium, use the promo code Bond. Okay, uh, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens. You need to, I don't know, like get, I like put me on a narcotic drug. <laughs> That's the only way I can imagine really enjoying this. I film. just so Matt and I agree about like almost everything, but yeah, 
Tomorrow Never Dies and Thunderball. No, we agree on Thunderball. Well, Thunder, we both. I don't I li- dislike I, it. I as dislike much it as with a, the passion. But. Like I won't defend Thunderball as heavily as you defend this movie. <laughs> I, I I won't blind. This defend is so confusing to me. Okay, well, and, and Matt Meyer, when you say you're gonna take Matt Gorley and have him watch it again, is this like a you're gonna clockwork orange? <laughs> yeah, watch I think party him into like I'm gonna, gonna, gonna have, have to. Have to. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to fucking pull those lids back, and we're gonna have a great time. Do you think? <sighs> speaking of clockwork orange, the uh, you know I was listening to. I listened to Rob Sheffield's Beatles book. He just wrote a Beatles book, uh, the audio version of it. I got it on audible.com. Use the promo code BOND. It doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Go to walther.com, pick up a PPK or P99, use promo code BOND. Uh, And uh, PPK? He was talking about the brief period of time where uh, the Beatles were in discussions with Kubrick to direct them in the Lord of the Rings movie. What? Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. Yes. A lot going on there. What? Yeah. So the Paul and John tried to get, and they, for a brief period, had the film rights to The Lord of the Rings. What? And George was going to play Gandalf. John, Naturally. John was going to- He gonna, should be an elf. Yeah. He's sleek well, looking. John was going to be Gollum. What? No, That's Ringo. Ringo was going to be well, Bilbo. Yeah, okay, I see that. And I forget who- is Paul going to be Sam? Yeah, I think so. That would, I guess it could yeah. be that. And they were in discussion with Stanley Kubrick. And the only reason that that came up in my head was because they had, it was, it was, it was that sort of started to fall apart. And that's when Kubrick turned around and got Clockwork Orange rights. Oh my God. <laughs> so my, my friend's having a 40th birthday party and it's a come dressed as a Kubrick character. And I'm trying to figure out who Amanda and I should be. Oh, uh-huh. John Lennon and Paul McCartney. <laughs> Yeah, all the way. Uh, I'm I'm leaning into just I want to go as the monolith. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to th- think of a way to make that comfortable that I can actually drink. I don't know how that's possible. Should she, right. she will she be one of the uh, orangutans? <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to go as Matthew oh. Modine in Full Metal Jacket and have her go as the Viet Cong soldier woman at the end. I think you should both go as Haley Joel Osment. Uh, but you know what? We thought of not, that later that because no one else is going to do that. And she may go as the Jude Law character in that. And I may just be the either. Are we counting that? Well, it is slightly Kubrick. I mean, he, he developed it. That, prob- yeah. that probably will count, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, also, I, I probably should have said this background up top, but my grandma worked at our local library growing up and she worked in the VHS department. So we'd go to the library, we'd see her, we'd get videos, we had a great time. And so their collection was very formative for me. And the things they had the most of were all of Star Trek, the original series, all of the James Bond movies. So that set me up when I was like eight or nine watching James Bond movies. And then also they had the Beatles movies and I love the Beatles Yeah, and initially thought they were comedians in movies who did music, you know, and then figured it out later. (laughs) But I, I love the Beatles movies and that Lord of the Rings idea is terrible. Should never oh, Unless directed by Richard Lester and turned into like a Hard Day's Night kind of thing. I would love like a, oh, a romp through Middle I Earth. Like that, yeah. I like Help more than Hard Day's Night. I need to watch those again. I, Help is one of my favorite Beatles Help albums. Help is just so the movie's fun. I think I subconsciously or unconsciously dress like George Harrison in Help most days. 
You're always wearing a turtleneck? No, he has that like just denim with rolled up jeans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, denim yeah. shirt with rolled up jeans. And I often wear that and yeah. have that in my mind. When they go to Bermuda. He's my favorite Beatle. Me too. He's the Dalton I, of, I, I, he's, of Beatles. Georgia George is my favorite Beatle. Who, who are the Beatles Wait, to Bond? your favorite Bond? No. Oh, okay. But he just the Dark Horse. I see. Yeah. So which, yeah, yeah. I know there are six Bonds, but if you had to take the Beatles and say which well, Bond... I mean, uh, I got it right here. Ready? Lazenby, he's Stu Sutcliffe. Yep. Brooding, uh, cool, wasn't great yeah. at playing bass. I guess since so Dalton's the probably Pete Best then. Before huh? the success. Timothy Dalton is Pete Best. He was there for a taste, played on a, on a Love right, Me Do, yeah. where you could hear it wasn't that great. This is where it's going to get tricky, though. And then, and okay. now we're into it, guys. Okay, well, let's, I think it's pretty clear that Lennon's Connery. Yeah. And... I'm Roger say, Moore is Paul McCartney because well, those are the mainstay Bonds. No, no, no. You think I, Ringo? I feel like I don't. I'm I mean, I'm just having a hard time putting Daniel Craig as anybody. I think he's actually George Harrison, and Ringo's Brosnan. Because I mean, Dalton seems like a George Harrison, though. He does, but when you're putting them all in, I yeah. think you're right. He's he's Pete Best. Yeah, I are. You, this might infuriate you. I almost want to make Roger Moore Ringo because of the comedic aspect. Yeah, I understand No, I don't that. hate that. I understand that. I don't that hate ability. that. But okay. think it, like, yeah. Paul was kind of a Paul goofy wag. Paul must be Pierce too. Brosnan. No. I think Paul is Pierce Brosnan. I think Paul yeah. is Pierce Brosnan. And then Lennon is Connery, and I think we can make Craig Harrison. Uh, yeah, though I, I disagree with you guys on that. And also, in terms of period timing... I think the fifth Beatle I would make Dalton is Billy Preston because he came much oh, later sure. in the run of yeah. things. And, and also some of his stuff's pretty good. You know? Yeah. Well, then who's George Martin? Because he was a fifth Beatle too. George oh, Martin uh, is Bernard Lee. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm George Martin. <laughs> All right. That was a fun digression oh. for this Anglophile podcast. Yeah. That was so many things I love. I hope I lined them up right. Oh, man. <laughs> Doing that on the fly. Okay. Oh, boy. Here's what it is. Dr. McCoy is Daniel Craig because oh, he's no. very ornery, you know? Yeah, I get And that. I feel like I'd have to uh, give uh, Connery is 100% Kirk. Oh, no. Mm, that's the most stretch. logical of the bunch for me feels like, I mean... Spock is Timothy Dalton. All right, let's get to the Sex and the City girls versus Bond. All right, all right. Brosnan for me is Charlotte. Roger Moore is Connery Samantha. Yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. Yeah, uh, Carrie, I feel like is is Craig. I think Carrie's maybe Brosnan. Explain. Well, I don't know. Oh, you weren't really playing this game? Because I was. Apparently not. God. I have a fun game. <laughs> getting us movie. back to this movie. <laughs> but also, I do have a fun game. Yeah. There are only a few Bond movies where the henchman outsurvives the main villain to have the final confrontation. Mm. This movie's one of them. So uh -huh. Stamper survives Carver's evisceration. Yeah. What are some of the others? Oh, Let's see if I got him. I have I have four I have three and one with a question mark. This is this is an inexact guess, but at least one movie with Jaws, right? Because uh, I would think Jaws yeah, would outlast it. I have the Spy Who Loved Me, and I was trying to remember. Does that train sequence happen after Stromberg dies? I can't remember. I don't. No, it doesn't. It's in no. the middle of the movie. Yeah, 
So that is not one. Well, and doesn't Jaws live through Moonraker? He does, but he becomes an ally. Yeah, that's true. They don't fight. So you're right. Because they don't they end in the the little life capsule yeah. in Spy Who Loved yeah. Me? So that that isn't that. So then I could only think of three. I could be wrong. Uh, oh, well, Kleb uh, in From Russia With Love. Yeah, but who is the main villain in From Russia We've With Love? That's always been discussion. a tough conversation. Because oh. she's kind discussion. of pulling the strings. I know Spectre's above her, but she's really running that show. Yeah, that's true. She, I would say she's, so she's actually the main, the main villain. villain. And Grant is the henchman. Okay, yeah, so um, I will tell you this. Two are on a boat, one's on a train. Thunderball. No. Largo blows up in a boat. Yeah, but the, there's no henchman that... <laughs> oh, I thought you were just asking him. me for movies on a boat. No. Um, <laughs> two Roger Moore, one Sean Connery. Oh, two Roger Moore, one Sean Connery. Is it Diamonds Are Forever? Yes. Wint and Kid. Yeah, those guys. Oh, the yeah. Cruise. Yeah. Okay. Now two more Roger Moores, one on a train, one on a boat. People are screaming at you into Octopussy. their... No. Yes. What? Doesn't... Um... Oh, no. There's no real henchman in there. I was thinking of those knife-throwing guys, but that's before mm-hmm. yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. Uh... Early Roger Moore. Live and Let Die. Yes. Yeah. Teehee on the train. Yep. Plus Baron Samity's riding. Baron Samity's riding in the front because yeah. I guess he's magical. <laughs> like I guess that's what we've established in that movie. <laughs> like I still cannot I still can't process the, the, the shooting of that skull. The shooting of him. Yeah, you're meant to not know. That yeah, movie truly like, does, does go does into the supernatural. Yeah. yeah. Who right. among us has a shot of skull <laughs> in a voodoo right? It's one more. What is it? Uh on a boat. No. View to a kill. Well, yeah, technically they're in a blimp, I guess so. <laughs> but maybe well, technically really... they're in a blimp, right? Well, but I mean it's like that's right after Yeah, okay, I'll I'll allow that's that. But that's not what for. I'm thinking of. But because well really Mayday's the henchman in that. Um but, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Scarpine. The crazy okay. German scientist with right, a monocle okay, no, and I long gray it. hair no to yell. is no not a henchman. Yell. I'll allow it. <laughs> I but mean... you're still missing one that's more to the point. <laughs> what is it? Man with a golden gun. Nickname. Oh, oh of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Oh, of course. Well, this right. has been another installment of whatever we just played. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so what do you think of them gearing up? for this mission honestly do you like the interplay you like him hitting the dragon you like the fire coming out I love the comment on the Walther P99 yeah that's like signals this like I'm gonna I'm gonna have a new one it's an interest. It's a weird scene because it's like a second cue scene. Yeah, and there's almost never that. Yeah, that's and true. and it's not literally one. But yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I thought no, I, was I into like it. it. Yeah, yeah. I really it's like cool it. Cool to see. The I other, like him, how the other side arms. I like him know? grabbing the watch and going like, "This looks familiar." Yeah, yeah. There was also a joke that does not feel woke to me now seeing it where there's the keyboard with Chinese characters and James Bond a character who we've established even in this movie speaks basically everything yeah 
comes up to the keyboard and is like, how would someone handle that I know. as a person? Like, I can yeah. speak this, but I ain't going to look at he... this crazy shit. Yeah. Well, for me, I don't think it's a QWERTY keyboard. I don't think Chinese keyboards are QWERTY. Like, they're not oh, ordered they the same be. way. I guess the typing. So I think aspects. it just would have, like, taken him too long. But I love and that. So I was red. okay with the it. The monitors and the keyboard are red. Well, that's yeah. how you know yeah, they're Chinese. I love that. But sp- speaking of woke, I love that his code name in the cold open is White Knight. He's the <laughs> least white knighty person. <laughs> right, because they're doing a chess thing that yeah. also I don't think would hide your activities very well. <laughs> but yeah, it is when I heard White Knight, right, modern me was like, internet? What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. Um, so her, her base of operation is a bicycle shop. Uh, you know what I would have liked here is a uh, now like some sort of acknowledgement of like Scaramanga because they go back to the, are those the same Thailand islands? I mean they're built Man they're fake because it's miniatures. I really got to read this book. But um, you know how you like your miniatures. Look at how big the boat is compared to these guys pushing the boat. Yeah, that's cool. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Boy, I bet you like this movie now, don't you? Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad they went there because that was the first truly exciting location to me that the film yeah. happened in usually, right. usually they get to more That's exciting true. locations on the earth sooner yeah this, this movie does lack that i think of it as very this movie's very urban to me this movie's very yeah. much like city to city just like yeah. shanghai berlin london yeah, just, a terrorist arms bazaar on the Russian side. <laughs> sure. Are you guys going this month to that, by the way? Well, you know, I, it's the second Sunday of the month, right? Every, yeah, yeah. Because um, first Sunday is the Rose Bowl flea it's market. tomorrow. And then second Sunday is terrorist, terrorist arms, arms bazaar. bazaar. Yeah, Yeah. you know what? I think I think I have time. Okay. I'm going to do it in the morning. You guys yeah. going? Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to work it out. I mean, like, because I still have some yeah. stuff. I won't actually want to sell this time. Well, I'm looking to get as much C4 as I can. Oh, I'm trying to unload some. Oh, this is great. We may not even have to Do you go. have a booth? Or are you just going to go and just try to barter? <laughs> no, I have a booth. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I'm, I'm going to get rid of some RPGs. Over there. Yeah. And some stingers. That day I need to get from my sea layer to my space layer. And I'm going to block off traffic for the bazaar. Yeah. It's a real pain. I don't like it. Well, you know, you should try having uh, your henchmen in Land Rovers. That seems to be a handy way to block traffic. Yeah. But I, I mean, uh, I really go to these bazaars for the food. I love the food. They have those like strawberry lemonades. I also enjoy the mariachi band. Yes. That they often have on weekends. <laughs> at the, well, at this bazaar. Uh, I haven't been to the Long Beach Bazaar in a while. I don't know if it's different. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's yeah. just a little early for me because yeah. yeah. you have to drive. Well, it's hard to get down there. Yeah. But I always say you do want to pay extra to be have that first hour in the Arms Bazaar. That is true. Before <laughs> the rest true. of the terrorists get there. Yeah. <laughs> huh. uh, so. It's almost like we don't have enough to talk about with this film. <laughs> well, I mean, hey the, 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 hey the final sequence uh, is very... Spy who loved me. Very spy who loved me. Very you only live twice. Very shoot 'em up, bang bang at this, at, I think at, at he- headquarters. Could of, this yeah, movie villain. be considered the fourth of those films? Because it does deal with it. It sinks a ship, but another ship kind of overtaking a ship. So you've got you only live twice. Spy who loved me. Moonraker. This ship stealing to start World War Three. Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. All out. <sighs> that I well, mean, that is egregious. The fourth time through on this formula. And and also, as far as there's so many James Bond sequences of exploring as a scuba diver yeah. in a wreck, and yeah. this is one of the least interesting wrecks, I think. In a series in of least interesting wrecks, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think that Waylin would not have been captured on that ship so easily. Yeah. I think that she would have been aware of the cameras. Mm. I feel like she's a very good spy. I have to admit, I tuned out at this point, so I'm trying to remember what. Uh, I think that setting the missile launch for five minutes was a little yeah, ridiculous. I did notice that. Like, they really yeah. want to do this. Yeah. Why not give it 15 seconds? T-minus five minutes. Yeah, is their is there boat actively burning at that point when they set the timer? It sure is, my friend. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it sure is. T-minus enough time for a nap <laughs> and counting. Because they're they're relatively calm when the ship is burning and visible to radar. Yeah. They're still relatively, yeah. which I suppose in real life would be good, but doesn't make sense as a movie thing. <laughs> T minus enough time for uh, action scene before this wraps up. <laughs> hmm. So Carver gets shot up. How do you think? What do you think of his death? It's it's mere minutes after his yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. He deserved to die for that. Yeah, he did. Um, I think that the, I mean, I like, I like the, the actual fight with the, with goats or stomper. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Me too. I like when he's, this is for Carver. This is for Dr. Kaufman. I like that he's hanging by the vest, pulls the knife out of his chest and cuts the vest loose. (laughs) I, I mean, I like that they gave this guy a connection to Dr. Kaufman, but again, like the Paris Bond thing, it's there in name only. Like, I don't feel anything from it. I wish they could have somehow no, I agree. Like, illustrated I, that more. I agree. You don't need to feel it uh, because he's a henchman, and I don't really care. But I want to feel Good it. Good God, is he handsome. I just flipped the page here. and I, I Who, Brosnan? I just can't take my eyes off. There is no denying he's a handsome man. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were talking about Stamper. I, I did, too. Like, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, 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 I need to know from our viewers, or listeners, rather, who is the most handsome, purely based on looks? Bond? Who is the most handsome James Bond? Well, we could go around the room with that, and I can answer in a heartbeat. I mean, my answer is going to be Brosnan. Oh, mine's Daniel Craig. Oh, it's a Connery. Interesting. We have three different yeah. answers. And I actually find Roger... Well, I find all of them very good looking. Yeah. Brosnan's too good looking. What if Amanda... Is Amanda here? No, she'll be home soon. Because I feel like she could... If we get a fourth answer... Because we've all answered She'd three. She'd say Craig. She'd say Craig. Yeah. And I think they're the, the top three. Like, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't put anybody else above any of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I feel like Daniel Craig is like ruggedly handsome do you know what it's i mean and where handsome. i'm putting that's like my kind of Pierce Brosnan, i'm putting as like daintily pretty handsome. yeah like oh i'm in a field with flowers yeah i'd be in a field if he had like a white blousey shirt open. yeah he's I'd be romance novel <laughs> handsome he's soap opera handsome I mean, daniel craig is... is steve mcqueen handsome hmm. oh yeah 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 sure and that's fleming bond and that's your kind of handsome that's well that's yeah i guess so hmm I, mean, I think Connery's both of those things. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You can't take that away from him, but he does wear a hairpiece throughout all of the movies, but as Matt Gorley not... tends oh. to illustrate constantly. I think you do. Your I... wigdar just, I... I just feel defensive around it. You do? Yeah. 
Well, I'm not. I mean, someday it's going to be gone. I'm going to have to get a wig. We all are. I'm just well, we don't have here. to get wigs. <laughs> we all have to get wigs. <laughs> There's a certain point where the government committee approaches you and says, yeah. "Excuse me, man, you're due. It's time." Um, Isn't it? You buy that BMW and then they throw in wigs. Isn't that a, <laughs> the gift? The, yeah. the glove compartment opens up and it's oh, got like instead dream. of the foam cutaway. That from guns, is my dream. It's just different <laughs> Lego, Lego hairs, but snap-ons. As far as the movies, the there were three James Bond movies made in the '90s. Uh, right? The Brosnans? Because there was a big yeah. gap between License, License to Kill and Kill was about 89, 89 right? 89, yeah. yeah. So there were three James Bond movies made in the 90s. All Brosnans. And of those three, this is by far the most 90s of the movies, I think. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Like, and this is yeah, even yeah. factoring in the, um, the ridiculous score from Goldeneye, yeah. the crazy 90s techno score. And I would say oh, that yeah. then, like, I do think the 90s, like you're kind of saying, it's still, I still have yet to really say, like, what is the 90s era of filmmaker other than kind of shallow blockbusters? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, 80s were blockbusters, but they still had something to them. And I don't see it as much in the 90s. Mm. I'm sorry. Well, Let's just say uh, the end of this movie uh, is satisfying for me as a Bond fan. I enjoy uh, I, I enjoy many people who are bad at aiming automatic weapons, and we get that in spades <laughs> here. And, Did you notice uh, at one point he gets shot while he's literally just climbing a thin metal ladder, and every part of the ladder gets hit? Ping, ping, yeah. ping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. except him. <laughs> well, and I also that like I don't when they're riding the motorcycle... Like the entire floor is getting every everything everything right below their tire is getting hit. Yeah. Ad nauseum. Yeah. Yeah. Tough uh, tires. I also like wonder what the helicopter pilot was thinking. Like the helicopter pilot who assuming I assume just works for Carver News Media. I know. It is That's like, the other what thing. am I doing? Like I understood you yeah. only live twice. You've you've hired an army that I presume is an ideological army. Yeah. Who are these people working for Carver? Like, do they believe in this mission? Or are they is he paying them handsomely? Well, there I think there's an important scene for that when early on he has all his subordinates in the media enterprise on different monitors. Yeah. Because oh, he's yeah. explicitly <laughs> saying, we are going to create havoc in the world through media. What do you seven people think? And they're all like, inspired, sir. Yes, yes. Like, it's what does really Michael gross. T. Wilson say? Like, inspiring as yeah. usual, yeah. sir. <laughs> inspired. Yeah. Brilliant uh, as usual. Yeah. So I think at least several levels of the company are straight up we are up to evil yeah. and there's very few homer simpsons who don't know that it's a hank scorpio thing, <laughs> you know? like, yeah. there's very few yeah. layers of the company that are like that. that's true yeah well let's rate this thing out of 007 i would love to man so from a zero oh double double oh zero to a double oh seven <laughs> let me think about this if anyone has one go ahead sure i i give this movie a double oh six point Five. Are you kidding? Are you? You're just doing that to, to no. I'm not. Counteract I'm not, mine. I'm not. This movie I think, is not a six point five. I There's disagree no with way. you. I think it is. You have to look at it. For what did what you it give Gold, Goldeneye? What did I give Goldeneye? Double seven. You put this right? movie. No, I gave it a double seven. No, because n- none of us did. None of us gave it a double seven. This. You think yeah. this movie's better than Goldeneye? I'll well, give it and, that if I gave the if I gave gold if I didn't give Goldeneye a double seven. Which I think no, I did. You, I don't think you did. I think you may have even given it a 006. I may have given it a double higher score than you. I'm not sure. But... Well, let me adjust my score then. What? And remind me if the score is relative to Bond movies or relative to just 
Bond things. movies. They're okay. just Great. a Bond movies. Yeah. So listen, you're beating this half point out of me. Fine. 006. Okay. Alex. I would also go 006. Yeah. It's way up there. It's not it's not on the level of Goldeneye, Goldfinger Rush from Russia with Love, but it's very good. So the question yeah. is I have for you guys. When you take your best Bond movie, that's obviously a 007. Mm-hmm. And your worst Bond movie, is that a 001 or a 00? Uh, 001? I feel like it's a, I feel like your worst Bond movie is always going to be a 001. I think the So double, we won't do think, zeros. No, I think the zeros are are there oh. and are accessible Careful. and can be used for things like Woody Allen, Peter Sellers, Casino Royale. Which is a movie I've never seen, so that's why I'm like saying I'm yeah, leaving it there. I actually haven't seen it either. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going double O zero point five. Wow. Oof. Oof. <laughs> Ugh. Matt Meyer, come oh, back. No, I, I can't. I just can't handle this anymore. This is the end of the podcast. Uh <laughs> period. End of discussion. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I get it. You're entitled to like and dislike all the things that you like and dislike. But just to be so wrong is uh, egregious. But we're in your home, so thank you for allowing us here. As usual, it's just this movie. It's interesting to me because I think we agree on a lot of details, too. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of details and little parts where we're like, yes, this is good or yes, this is bad. But somehow the big picture is working for you guys and it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... To the point of when I had given it a 6.5, which we've now lowered to a 006 because I was guilted into it <laughs> uh, due to what I gave Goldfinger. Well, I, think I put you this were movie on, it. on the on the Goldfinger level of oh, that's of a seven enjoyable right? for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be the I can't give this movie higher than that. Yeah, like I just can't. It's just not something mm-hmm. I can do. But I'm going to say the following statement. I think each. Bond has a 006 movie in them. In the sense of they each hit a six, I think, for me. Yeah, I think that's possible. And I think Living Daylights does that for Dalton. Again, we're going to revisit these. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Goldfinger obviously is up there. View to a Kill, so fun. Uh, Octopus, you know, more certainly does it. Uh, Out of the gate, I think Lazenby did it. I think Honor Magic Secret Service is great. He didn't do it, but that film <laughs> Right. Craig it worked out. Yeah. You know, Craig obviously with Casino Royale, that's a seven. Yeah. You know, I don't even know if we need to even worry about the spoiling that for people. So I, I feel like I this is Pierce Brosnan's best. Are you kidding? Oh no, no I don't I'm agree. Not with you. Over Goldeneye. Yes. No, I don't agree. It's with okay. That. You don't yeah, have yeah. to agree. I think Goldeneye is also a seven. Mm. I think you putting this above Goldeneye is crazier than me putting it at 0.5. It's not spiteful. Like, I'm not doing it no, because <laughs> you don't like it. No, and I, I want you to know that I believe you as long as you You know, know that, like, when I, I was, like, I'm not doing this to when spite you. When I was trying either. to convince my wife last night to let me buy a 20-year-old BMW, yeah. <laughs> I, like, went into my office and grabbed my... I still have the Corgi BMW that shot uh, missiles out of the sunroof. That I bought, you know, when that movie came out, I bought it at, like, Suncoast Video. And uh, it's been in my office for 20 years. I can't take that away from you. That's special. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just this movie, for me, is just, like, such... I don't know. This is this is this was the movie of my time. And at the As end of the day, I like Godfather three and man. season two of True Detective, so I cannot be listened to. I don't mind you know? Godfather mm-hmm. three. 
Really? I don't, yeah, I love I have, dude, I have avoided Godfather Three completely. You've never seen it? Oh, I, I love the first two so up, much, man. You oh. want to? You want to see some? Maybe no, it's a, actually active. a better time to watch it because I think what people really don't like about it isn't as big a deal as what I think they say. I mean, yeah, Sofia Coppola has a tough well, job. Guess in what? That, She's but, very talented, and yes. things have worked out nicely for her. Oh, I love. See, the yeah. thing is, looking at a movie, a good-looking movie, goes a long way for me. That's why, like. I think I love some of the classic Bonds, the Ken Adam Bonds. And Godfather 3, the production design is so beautiful. And I think the Brosnans don't look great. Yeah. DP well, wise, I think even in the bicycle the shop, wise, when, they're, when they are, when she is revealing all of her spy stuff, the way that all like moves out is very Ken Adams-y. Yeah. But you look at the production design of that bicycle shop and you're just like, well... Yeah, and the props like that magnetic grenade he puts on in the cold open that kind of looks like a grenade, but it's like a flat pocket that is grenade. Weird, yeah, yeah, yeah I agree they just with that. they look like TV movie props. To but me. you know, we can get those very cheap at the Arms Bazaar tomorrow. That's true. That's true. But no one wants the flat grenades anymore. That's true. <laughs> you can't get <laughs> they're rid out of them. style. You can't give them away. Uh, Alex, where can people find you? Tell them what's up. Yeah, uh, I work for crack.com. You can find a lot of my work there. And then my website is alexschmitty.com. And then I'm on Twitter at alexschmitty. And what's the video you did about Bond? I did two. I did one about how Bond movies could go in more of a direction of focusing on real world problems. And actually, I picked out Quantum of Solace as one that <laughs> fails but aims for that. Yeah, the water. Yeah. Yeah. I really, this movie and Quantum of Solace both try to tackle a, a like cutting edge thing I that's going that on same thing. Yeah. yeah and blow it completely yeah. but great yeah <laughs> and then the other one i made was right after specter and i was very frustrated with specter turning everything into the avengers where all the movies mm. added up to each other yeah and that yeah. Uh, makes me anxious for the future of the series we, but uh, they could have a lot of fun doing like crazy one-offs and things like that yeah, yeah we yeah. we we really looked at it through Tom Ford colored glasses. Uh, we sure did. Uh, well, we were in love. You know, it's there's good stuff about. We're gonna have it, to right? answer for Spectre very soon. We're gonna have yeah, to rewatch it, that. It is not held up to me in rewatches. Yeah, we'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to um, approach. But speaking of that, it'll be very interesting to approach when we watch it. Who knows when it'll be? But we need to hear what we're gonna watch in two weeks from now. And Matt, it's your turn. I chose Tomorrow Never Dies. You sure to, did. I wanted to face this. I wanted to like it, and I apologize to you out there. That that too. Uh, <laughs> it's time for us. We uh, we've uh, hit our we're hitting our posts. You know, we're going along. We're hitting our bonds. Uh huh. We still have two bonds we haven't touched. Lazenby and Dalton. That's correct. And Craig. Oh. We haven't done a Craig. That's correct. Three. Also, We're oh three my for, god, three for six. Yeah, we could really. I could go any way here. I hadn't even yeah. thought about this. Before yet. you say the movie, yeah, what? Because sometimes when I'm trying to decide, I think like, oh, we got to put a we got to put a loser in because we've been doing a lot of correct. winners. That's what I'm just yeah. doing. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> or we got to like it's time to get a bond we haven't talked about yet. So what was your thinking in this one? How did you approach it? Uh, my thinking in this one was we've been talking. We've been mentioning this movie a lot lately. Oh. And I I think it's certainly worth a fully conscious revisit. Hmm. And that movie is The Living Daylight. I'm excited. Awesome. I almost chose that because it's the 30-year anniversary. It's the 20-year anniversary of Tomorrow Never Dies. That's true. Happy 20th Yay! anniversary. Yay! 
You don't look a day over boring. But uh, I think it's time to really take a look at that Aston Martin Volante. <laughs> this is exciting. And, I've been wanting uh, to watch this movie, and I keep holding off because I think, like, oh, then I won't want to watch it for the podcast. Well, this buckle up, buddy. This is great. You might give me a headache on this episode, but... I'm sorry. Never gonna let you I'm down. Sorry. Have you guys have you guys seen a Dalton one since Hot Fuzz came out and it turns out he's an amazing villain in, oh, as an actor? Yeah. Because I have not. That would be very exciting. Oh, he's yeah. so yeah. good in, in Hot Fuzz. And I just have a renewed love for him after seeing him in the Everything or Nothing documentary where he's just a madman. <laughs> yeah. We were doing it. He's just the thing is to get out there and do it. And he's got long hair, and he's got fire in yeah, his you eyes. I just want him to. I, I, two things. I wish he had gotten more movies. Um, and I, you know, I just, I guess, I wish 1989 to 1996 didn't happen the way it happened. Boy, I wish we'd had a couple me. more yeah, James Bond me. movies under our belt. Yeah, is Dalton maybe the most divisive Bond? People are really polarized with him. They really kind of like him, or they don't. You know, I think we're going to find out. And the reason I didn't choose License to Kill um, is because I've seen it pretty recently anyway. Mm. Yeah. It just was on one night. Mm. Yeah. I made a gif of that guy's head blowing up. I have it on my phone. If anyone <laughs> needs it, let me know. But, it's uh, your lock screen. Like you just <laughs> your phone. That's what up. you be what you swipe to open and it inflates as you swipe. And then, oh. it, then that bursts and your home screen is behind that. Maybe they can do it with the iPhone X. Yeah. Uh, can be one of these fancy new emoji thingies that yeah. talk. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, point is, uh, tune in in two weeks. We're going to be talking about Timothy Dalton and... Uh, Miriam Diabo's turn in the living daylights. Joe Don Baker, Jerome Crab. This is our. Yeah. This is like our third Joe Don Baker in. Wow, we really in four weeks. The Joe Dons. These are it, right? <laughs> that's it, yeah. This is it. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. movie. My brother's a cellist, and that's one of his favorites because they have like they like <laughs> ski on a cello. Heavy, Great. heavy, uh, heavy cello usage. The yeah. cello, obviously, he, it also inspired one of our rides at our James Bond theme park, which yeah. uh, the map has been done. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, it's available in the artist's Etsy shop. You can follow, if you follow the James Bonding Pod Twitter account, James Bonding Pod, um, I believe we link to that. Is it on the uh, Instagram? It should be. I don't know. We'll talk to us about that. But uh, take a look. If you want to buy the map that came out of the brains of Paul Shear, Matt Gorley, and myself of what a James Bond theme park should be like. Someone was kind enough to actually illustrate That's it. That's Dana James Jones, who made my terry cloth jumper. Well, there you go. And Dana, you going to build him his Goldfinger suit? Yeah, come on, buddy. Let's if, get this if going. If you do that. That's our first live episode. Then we we, will, the, the minute we have that, we'll do a live episode in my and my blue terry cloth jumper. And, and me and my, and, my, and my mustard romper. Yeah. <laughs> chiffon, lemon chiffon, terry cloth. When you said Goldfinger suit, I was like, does he mean a men's suit or does he mean that track suit? Yes. Oh, I, I mean, mean that, that, that track short side yeah. suit. It's oh, like baby. shorts, uh, like some a vague jacket that is much fluffier than it needed <laughs> to be. And it's longer than the shorts are, so it looks like you're yeah. just wearing a frock. Yeah, I'm really looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah. So. The, only, the only outfit that's ever been built for no climates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be awful to wear in Miami in the sun. That'd yeah. be a terrible thing to wear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, if we get those, should you and I just go to a community pool and play? What are they playing? Gin Rummy? What are they playing? They're playing. Um, 
bridge? No, no bridge is a four person. What are they playing? Backgammon? Is it uh, maybe gin, gin rummy? Gin, gin, gin rummy or gin or gin rummy? Yeah, we should go and just do that Backgammon, and see if anybody no. notices. <laughs> I am looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, so James Bonding will return. James Bonding podcast. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.